to our first episode of The Collective, and this podcast is dedicated to a raw and honest discussion with entertainment and industry professionals, from designers to filmmakers to musicians, bringing you the most creative, driven, and passionate people from all walks of life. Today, we have a good friend of mine on, uh, Anthony Scott Burns. Uh, he's one of the most creative and talented people I know, and it's a true honor to have him on. I get to talk to him all the time because we're friends, but it's going to be great to have him on here so we can kind of get into his head and you guys get to get a little understanding of how he's come to be where he is and his thought process on things. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to have him on. So welcome, Anthony. And also, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> That's so horrible. There we go. That was horrible. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, it's the first one, so. Yeah. And, uh, and this is um, to stay in, by the way. Oh, yeah, of course. Hell yeah. <laughs> Why not? You know, yeah. it's a good start. Break the ice. Well, I, I, I also wanted to introduce a uh, co-host, you know, Iggy on the on on the on the radio. So, <laughs> yeah, technician. Yeah. The, so hi, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Anthony's from saying hi. So say hi, everybody. Or say hi to Anthony, everybody. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? Kindergarten? <laughs> you know, it's a good start. <laughs> Hi guys, yeah. I gotta start this over. Oh my god. No, no, no. We're just gonna roll with it. You know, so I'm glad that uh, you know uh, Ash asked me to co-host, and uh, I'll do the best. Okay. So uh, <laughs> let me first actually ask you, because let's let's get into it. You know, how long did you guys know each other? I mean, uh, you and Anthony, because I know you, uh, Anthony, emailed you first, right? Yes. yes. Okay. How no, did I... that come out? Like, what's the story, Morning Glory? Uh, the story is, is that I saw some of Ash's work and I was like, oh, this dude does awesome stuff and uh, I would love to uh, work on something with him. And so I sent him a little friendly, hey man, how's it going? Uh, this is me. And I sent him some links to my stuff, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. To the Tron yeah. short you just did. Yeah, my, my Tron short. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was like, yeah, we should uh, definitely. And we just started talking on... on on the phone and it was like pretty evident that we had a lot of things in common creatively oh, it, it was on the phone immediately <laughs> pretty much pretty much yeah it was, i because I, I, I'd, I'd seen his tron piece and i was and i was like I, I what i loved about it is he was basically saying like hey you know here's my stuff you know like uh i can do this on my own for a certain amount of budget and it looks great so you know it was for me it was i liked it i like i thought it was a good gesture to the uh to the community basically stating that the things that sh uh the sign of things to change basically and and i was really impressed by it and i thought uh this guy obviously knows what he's doing and i wanted to talk to him further because I i'm more interested in, in the grassroots things and, and yeah so it was, it was pretty much like hey let's get on the phone let's talk and then yeah we just we just were rambling. We were just going for like hours. I remember my yeah. wife. I remember my wife was like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> I was on the phone for like an hour and a half. I think our first conversation, but we talked about Who, everything. Who's the secret mistress? No, it's 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 a true <laughs> romance. It's a true, it's a true romance. romance. Yeah, yeah. In now, would you say you're attracted to uh, to uh, that kind of um, thing? Is that he's he's self-taught and he was able to do it all on his own? Is that what's the biggest attraction to you in creative people? Uh, who's the, the fact that he's able, the fact that Anthony was able to create Tron by himself and make it look so polished and so good. Because I did see that uh, clip, uh, not clip, short film. Yeah. 
Well, absolutely, and, and not to, to, to clarify too. I, I mean, Anthony didn't just do it all himself. He had he had help from people, but I mean, the general, he his his effort. It was his money, so that it definitely appeals to me because I, I feel that that's I I'd rather I'd rather um, know somebody that works hard. You know, like I'd rather I'd rather because I connect with that. You know, and I think Anthony might have from our conversation. Uh, I don't know if that kind of came across to you as well anthony i don't know if it's because i think yeah, maybe you're talking about the total recall shit right all that stuff yeah, yeah yeah totally we basically i think we connected over the fact that not only did we like the same creative stuff like so we had similar influences and in films we loved as, as you know children and stuff but also the fact that we both were dedicated in a ridiculously retarded way <laughs> yeah to attempt to killing ourselves for fun <laughs> yeah, for the love of the craft of what we do and, and when creating and stuff like that, yeah. But Pretty yeah. much the way uh, James Cameron approached it. I mean, because, I mean, he uh, he never went to film school. And he, uh, I, I remember reading that uh, when he was working as a janitor or a truck driver, he went to the USC uh, library and he would just read people's dissertations on, like, cameras like the opticals and just taught himself that way and it was the, this passionate way of uh, going going about to learn the craft yeah and then he just applied that when he was working for corman and that shows i think that's admirable yeah so, not... for me for me and ash i think it's the only way though i think yep. you know like i didn't come from privilege i couldn't afford film school <laughs> Film school so, sounds like an oxymoron. Why yeah. is that funny to you? Oh no, it's, you know, like it, so for me, you know, I might have liked film school maybe. I don't know. I, you know, it's, maybe not, man. Maybe not, you know. But you know, I, I don't, I don't say that film school is a bad way because a lot of great filmmakers did come out of film school, like George Lucas. Um, True. And so I think there's no right way, right? So, um, yeah, coming up without school i don't know that it's necessarily admirable i think it's just you if you like to do this you find a way whether what that's it, true yeah yeah i think now, it's the i think it's the not the final destination but the person's path that's what is uh appealing at least for me and i and i do like that when i like seeing guys that come from the grassroots because i guess it's because i'm related to that you know but at the same time like i i i can i know what it feels like to to be at your wits end with nothing and you're just frustrated but you do have to keep going and then i you know overcoming you know people there's there's a million reasons why not to do something and that's cool to see people that actually do stuff and that's what i saw in anthony and so when he reached out to me i was like this is great and then once we started talking we, we realized that hey let's do something together because we have something really special i think we have a really good connecting bond and i think uh, it's important to work with people like that to 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 uh, attract those kind of people and then also to respect them and, and, and work and collaborate with them. It's very important, you know. Yeah. Uh, movies aren't just made by one person, you know. Like it's it's hundreds of people. Good movies and not not everyone, but you know, it's, it's not a okay, formula. Something about people that I meet online too is that when when I start talking with them, uh, every good collaborator I've ever worked with, we end up having a, a three-hour conversation the first time out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like two to three hour conversation, and it just it, you can tell right away. Oh, we're you know we're on the same page, and it usually lasts you know a long time. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, actually, I got to get going. Life uh, <laughs> is gonna kill me. And that's what I wanted to have with the podcast, and I think I was talking to you about it. It's like, and uh, Iggy and I were talking about it. It's like we want to have something that 
is like a direct conversation so that you feel like we're we're talking to a, a listener but we're also just being very candid and open and we're going to try and talk about as much as we can and expose a lot of like certain just feelings and truths and and, and myths and, and concepts and ideas um but I, I don't know it's exciting and i think that was a really a prime sign uh that we were going to have a really good um, relationship with collaborating with that. At least that's how it felt to me. I felt like this is going to be great. And I felt like there was going to be a lot of interesting um, thoughts and, and progression. And there has, I mean, think about it, how, how long we've, we've known each other for what, like almost a year now or like no. nine, nine months or something like that. Has it been that long? Oh man. I think it's been, a, <laughs> I think it's been a while actually, but there's been a lot. I mean, we, we, we're progressing yeah. on the feature. We got the short film thing going on. We have all these other stuff going on. We've written the like, countless stories just roughly together so um i think it's a it's a prime sign i think that's when in life sometimes when things are going really smoothly or not necessarily smoothly but uh when things just go you just go with it it's like a dance you know like you don't fight it you just kind of rhythm you have the rhythm of it you can just keep going with it you know so that's that's, yeah. that's what i feel it feels not effortless it's very a lot there's lots of work there's tons of work and lots of effort but it's it's it just it's cool you know and and uh, yeah. I just had a crazy eye-opening phone call actually about the work, <laughs> the work that's actually required. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the phone call required. It, it was it was good. It, it made me realize that you know for a lot of the stories that you know we want to tell, we're probably gonna have to you know do a lot of the writing <laughs> ourselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know because uh, you know it gets uh, when you get more into it you realize that you're asking somebody to write a painting for you yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> because that's the way i do see you know the stuff that we're, we're trying to create is it's, it's different and, and and uh yeah it seems it, when you put it that way it gets really weird and you go actually that's right you know like you can't ask someone else to write your or to paint a painting for you even and and the story structure for me is so important to the film that it's like you can't separate it from the filmmakers yeah. now let me just interrupt you real quick the, the film you're talking about is that what you and ash are trying to make into a feature film right not a short film but that's a, I don't know if I can say it on here or if you try to keep it secret for now, but well, is it that science of... fiction um, thing that Ash told me about, about the dark side? Uh, of the we don't want to, yeah, we don't, <laughs> on the podcast, we won't explain what it's about or anything, but. <laughs> no, um, no, no. I mean, is it that though? Um, I'm developing a couple and I'm talking with people about, you know, to, to try and drum up funding and et cetera, et cetera, for multiple projects. But it was just a realization that I came to while talking to these people. And I think we all came to it together is that, you know, like whether it is the one we're developing or not together, uh, just it's, it's, it's a harsh reality that I think the more artistic your film is and the more different it is, the more you will probably end up having to uh, be go through hell. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's not going to be, hey, can you give me that script by, you know, like six months from mm -hmm. now and then we'll have the movie and, and, you know, we'll be making it by <laughs> September. It yeah. really, when it's one of one of those, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Yes. And you're not going to create it right away. And it's 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 going to be a long journey to make something truly special. And I think that's we, we see that in the best filmmakers. Yes. We see many years in between the projects because they, you know, they'd love to make you know, countless films, but they only want to make what they what speaks to them. And I think exactly, I'm 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 sadly coming to the realization that I, you know, like, you know, I think 
Ash and I can probably talk about this endlessly is that when, when you really, really want to tell a story, it's got to be right. No so, doubt about it. And, so. you know, there's something that, um, you know, John McTiernan, right? Oh, yes. Obviously. He's been in the news lately. I just, there's just a quote I read. And that's pretty much, I'm pretty sure all the filmmakers share the same thing. Is he, he said the secret or the trick is just basically to work on the movies you want to work on. Because it's just too much work to work on something you have absolutely zero interest or passion for. It seems really you know interesting. I mean? that, that saying makes a lot of sense. But it seems so interesting that that's not really practiced. You know, At least it doesn't seem like that. I feel like there's a lot of guys that... They, maybe they are passionate. not only practice not only pra practice but i i don't think people get the chance yeah. as in they have to go through hell first and then they get that you know that's a choice so i think anthony and i have talked about many times and i think that um this is another reason why i think we're we're gonna probably collaborate and work on stuff together for a long time is we get the same ultimate goal we always say like as long as our families are taken care of um it doesn't matter um, what we're working on. Hopefully, I mean, the most important thing is that we're, we're, we're we feel um, uh, like we feel proud of what we're doing, or we feel like we're doing what we should be doing, which is telling our own stories, which is is very hard to do. It's a it's a kind of a curse, I think, Anthony, as you obviously know. It's a curse, you know. It's a curse to. It's like also when I started learning about design and stuff like that, I started to see everything and, and just critique the shit out of it. And so the same thing with movies, like I can't even watch a movie anymore, really. I usually fall asleep in the middle of it or I get like frustrated by certain things. Like, why did they put that shot there? Why did they put, why is that dialogue this? And and so it gets really frustrating for me. And same thing with the design. Like I started learning design and typeface. I'd go out to restaurants and I'm like, this fucking menu is horrible. Like I couldn't even like think about the food. And, and it's so, it's such a curse you know and movies is the same thing and and then growing up loving movies and and, and it's interesting too and, and we can talk about it more is like and anthony and i talk about like oh you know like we like go back and watch that film and, and then it's funny like uh the movies that i used to watch and was was so in love with as a kid going back to now being so critical and analytical on these things it's like it totally loses its uh its uh, energy you know like from my youth but there's there's still some films like i can still watch empire strikes back and still get like super pumped up on it and there's some films that are they're gonna hold that timeless like effect on me but i'm ra i'm rambling here but i'm just talking about like the, the muse of things you know like well, where the muse you know, comes from if we go back to that 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 john mctiernan quote talking about filmmakers and and why they make films i think i think who a director is has changed a lot over the past you know 20 years yeah. um i probably have mentally not changed along with it and you know it's probably why in, in a lot of ways you know you know ash and i may you know run into some walls is that we do have convictions and i think well i know i can't speak for everybody but i feel like there are a lot of you know i think most films like big hollywood films now are just um they're construction sites does that make sense yeah no it makes sense yeah <laughs> you know like the director is more of a He's 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 not a vision pusher so much as he. He's the project. Uh, what's the uh, project manager? Yes. You know, in a, in a yes. construction yes. site. Yeah, yeah. they um. seem like construction sites, and you know, uh, and you know, we're we're talking about creativity in film, and I think you know, there's a lot of great films coming out still, but people aren't seeing them because there isn't a, a 
um, a place to force them to watch it. Yeah, the channel. You know, like, yeah. I feel like you know, like media has changed so much, and uh, you know, wrapping your brain around that is it's it's exciting because we we don't know where it's going to go and what we're going to do and how fast we're going to do it. But at the same time, I understand films is you know, like there's something in the theater, I go see it. You know, when I'm in there for two hours, I understand it and. And you know, you go see a John McTiernan movie because you want a certain kind of action. I don't know a lot of directors. I don't know a lot of directors now that I would go. I, you know, I can't wait to see Brett Ratner's new movie. <laughs> 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 like, I, you know, there's there's a lot of these project managers. You know, they, they you're ba basically what you're saying essentially is that there there are no directors with with a voice, so to speak. Or you know if, what I mean? Or it's if, just kind of like or if they are, they're, not, they're not mainstream like they used to be. Do you know? Like so, they still exist. There's more people, and so there's more creativity, and there's a, there's all different kinds of people doing. It's just all looks and and sounds the same. You know what I mean? Well, even if it doesn't look and sound the same, I would say that 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 I'm just not able to see it in the same way. And neither is the po the general populace because before. There was, you know, there, there was two places you could see it, you know, v VCR and the movie theater. Now it's it's so saturated that that to find those good movies, I know so many good movies that have come out over the past few years, and I tell my friends about them, but they've never even heard of them, you know. Which, what are you into, by the way? What kind of uh, genres or what kind of sides? Yeah, he just I'm watches anime. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's I me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch everything. There is no genre uh, that I I like, or you know, the, the one thing I don't watch a lot of is comedy. Weirdly enough, um, just because I don't know why. <laughs> there's not a lot of good ones though. That's why. Probably, in, you know, different when you think about it, there's not a lot of good ones in any genre. <laughs> True. Well, especially when like you critique it, and and I'm sorry to cut you off, but like we've also talked about like how we might be outgrowing the genre because we are so like um we just destroy it we de destroy it mentally you know we break it down to the finest thing and that like it's like almost understanding a magic trick you know like if you know all the magic tricks then why would you want to do magic but i think the the curiosity to whether we can actually pull it off and do it in the in the in the path that that might lead is just too much of a fun gamble not to you know it's a curiosity I think yeah you know. but sorry Anthony what what films are you um you into you know I'm I'm gravi I gravitate towards horror and science fiction because that's what I grew up loving but um you know I I I like pretty much anything as long as what are, go what ahead. are some of your favorite what are some of your favorite uh, sci-fi sci and horror films? Prometheus. <laughs> um, Ash, you're you're trying to pull out negative. No. Neg <laughs> okay, okay, it's... all right, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> hey, man, that was. I studied that movie. Okay. Okay, we can talk <laughs> about that a little later. Anthony, go yeah, ahead and tell yeah, us what you. Talk about that. <laughs> Science fiction and horror, obviously, Alien. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, Alien is a a, a masterwork. It's it's. It's a prime example. I use it all the time as a prime example of a mediocre script made amazing. And I use it as an example of in in meetings with producers all the time as, as something that could go any way, but it's all dependent on the director. 
and his team and who he chooses to be a part of the team. Because you read that script, you know, a million people could read that script and see a million different aliens and a million different spacesuits and a million different planets. And in each person's brain, it's uh, something completely different. But only because Ridley Scott did it that way did it become this, you know, masterpiece of cinema. And, and it's a really good example to the, the whole idea of getting someone with a vision behind the film, you know? Conviction. Let me let me add something to that. I recently read an interview with Christopher Nolan for Directors Guild, and he said, you know, he was asked, you know, like, uh, what got him into filmmaking or something like that, and uh, he recalled how he saw Alien, and then he saw Blade Runner, yeah. and he realized, you know, while those two films were, you know, completely completely different actors you know completely different environments but what he understood is that there was a director who held it all together there was a distinct vision there yeah. you know what i mean yeah and, and it's really important for storytelling and and but yeah yeah i think christopher nolan probably saw the same thing which i like to say that i do is when i go see a film i'm oftentimes i'm not going to see the film yeah. i'm going to visit this is how I see going to see a movie is I'm going to visit that director's vision. Like, mm -hmm. so it's, it's like, you're going to, you go to see a Christopher Nolan movie to see what he wants to tell you. It's like, he's, you know, he's, you know, that he's the storyteller behind it. Yes. There's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people there, but he's the storyteller behind it. And that's why you go see his movies. And that's ultimately, you know, what I hope people will uh, get out of our stuff. Yeah, and I think that'll probably happen. I mean, if, like the thing that we talked about too, Iggy, is like if you do, if you push hard enough, and you and you and you work your ass off, and you do, you, you do, you do something good enough or whatever, you put enough effort into something, the world will respond to it, negative or good. Um, both, both are what they are. They're they're a learning experience, you know. And and I think that, I think that'll happen. I think it will. It just depends. I mean, look at our our careers thus far. We're still just in the baby steps phase of it, but it is going to lead to more and more because uh, Anthony and I, we work so hard and we are so obsessive and we are so controlling almost in the, in the, of the worlds that we are trying to tell. And I think that that's going to lend to creating what we like in things. I think, you know, at least that's the hope, you know, that's the idea, you know, and the, the I think the really good thing too, is to think that, um, that everything that you do is not going to be very good and because it's not going to, you know, like you, you can lead up because if you think you're going to be amazing and stuff or it's going to be awesome, it's going to lead to an ultimate failure because it'll never lead, lead up to your expectations. But being realistic about it, I think like even like George Lucas had mentioned in that, that one uh, link I sent you both uh, about his building uh, Star Wars and stuff, like he had thought Star Wars was, was going to flop really hard the whole time and it was a total amazement to him how like, it all came together towards the end and stuff and even like if you think about that like how massive a project that was for him and he literally went, he literally went bankrupt and stuff like that and put everything on the line you know and he took the biggest uh, gamble but he also had the biggest reward you know yeah. yeah 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 no, it's really cool yeah so uh yeah, I, I, I completely agree with Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan's great for his for for our modern day cinema, and he's amazing. I, uh, Anthony, and I talk a lot about the Prestige, as we think that is one of our favorite films of his, and I think that's 
gotta be one of my favorite films like not my favorite but it's definitely like it's it's one of those films i could probably watch all the time like all all the time because it's just so well put together and it's so well thought of and the story is amazing and it's just everything it's just it's it's great you know if i could if we can make a film like that within that same caliber you know i would die a happy man for sure you know and that'd be a great yo anthony yes how did you get Stephen McCaddy in your short film? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting question. Um, Hustling. I don't know if I can say online, but uh, well, we can <clears throat> edit it or whatever. But just go beep beep. beep. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I'll tell you, Iggy, but maybe we shouldn't put it up. Is um, I was contacted by. I always wanted Stephen. And it was just a weird coincidence. This is how my life works anyways. I get weird coincidence after weird coincidence. I don't know why. But so, um, I really wanted Steven in the short. And he contacted his agent. And, you know, we're a bunch of like, you know, we're noobs. (laughs) We're not like, you know, I don't have have this big name that I can be like, oh, I want Steven McCaffey in my film. And so, they were very cautious. You don't have to uh, name names either, so it's okay. mm -hmm. They were cautious. And the next day, I got an email from Vincenzo Natale. Yeah, the director. Yes. Yes. And he was, had just finished a film starring Stephen McCaddy. The weirdest coincidence. So I was like, uh, and he's like, if you ever need anything, you know, any help or anything. And I was like, on my second communication with him, (laughs) I said, actually there is this one thing you could do for us and so he reached out and uh you know steven said yes he read this read the script and he was like yeah it sounds pretty cool so he was he was awesome he came out and did a great job so you're in you're in post-production on that short film right now yes yes i am how's that going when is that going to be (laughs) are you gonna are you gonna (laughs) enter that into a a film festival of some kind or um You know, I don't know if I want to enter it into a film festival. That would, <laughs> for some reason, I, I'm I'm very apprehensive to enter things into film festivals. I don't know why. I guess it's part of the game. But um, like, what know. do you think about all that? Like, what do you think about this? Like, um, it almost reminds me of like, not to be rude or be a dick, but it sounds like it reminds me of like dog show kind of thing. <laughs> like, look at my dog, and like, yes. uh, my yeah. dog could be as artistic as your dog. It's like. Once you start like doing that whole like my dick's bigger than yours kind of thing, I think you lose sight of like actually telling a story. Maybe yeah, you know? I think, I think no, but good. but you see, I have to disagree because how do you how do you propose <laughs> how do you propose filmmakers are to break in if they can't even show if they don't even have a place to show their work? Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say is with with the net now. Yeah. I'm pretty ha- I'm pretty happy with a good link on Vimeo. There you go. <laughs> like and 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 send yeah. it to to friends because, and I know that you know that it's. it's but like, not everybody's gonna. Not everybody is yes. gonna private message you and say, "Hey, that's an awesome movie. Let's work together." You know, Eventually. some people just go in there to socialize and network, and they can talk to the director right away, get an impression of him. You know what I mean? Well, and, that's where uh, my fear comes from. Yeah, is that that the impression of me that they might get yeah. the way I am? <laughs> fucked <laughs> up. From a, yeah, that's probably the fear that I have is that that they'll see me and be like, oh. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't fear. I wouldn't worry about that. You're chewing yourself. But I think what I'm getting at is like the popularity contest, you know. 
and yes, uh, I don't like well, I, I get that. Yeah, but I, but I, I agree though. I think the tool itself, the idea of what it is, is like, look, we we can't all make Hollywood films, so we need to have a place in the collective for that to happen. It's awesome. I think that's yeah. great. But what I what I fear and what's happening is like these things like the Sundance thing and all this stuff like these they're getting bigger than what they were originally intended for I think and then you get these this is my interpretation you just get these like you know I want to be more artsy than I'm just doing it because I'm doing it for art's sake and it's like that's when I get really frustrated with certain things at least my own interpretations like uh, when people would be like I want to be this kind of artist and they'd be like I'm going to be super artsy so I'm going to splatter paint and I'm going to talk about it like this and sell it and it's like that's when it gets kind of like this gray zone where it, it kind of misses it for me at least you know as a consumer or as a viewer or as a fan of the craft I kind of like I kind of feel like sometimes it, it could lead to a dark path you know <laughs> what's the dark path it's just okay. people making bullshit you know and trying to sell it off like it's good or trying to get attention you know like do you have any examples no i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> i mean well what about what about terrence malick you you kind of spoke about how you just okay. like no like let's get this clear let's get I, into let's, that <laughs> <laughs> let's make this really clear i think his films are beautiful i told you that many times i think that yeah, yeah, yeah. they're beautiful i think it's great i think that the way he shoots it and puts it together is great i like it the first time the fifth movie down the road doing the same thing come on man like that's my only thing is that I see what he's doing and I get it and I understand, you know, and, and Anthony and I will talk about it but like, you know, I'm right behind you with the camera and now touch the grass and I'm going to focus on that and, we, you know, hold hands. It's like, put the light through the lens. It's like, it gets as annoying as lens flares, you know, like, and, and, and for me, when I'm sitting there, I don't want to sit there and go like, this fucking guy did the same thing as the last one. Let me like, you know, let me focus on the story he's trying to tell. And I did watch A New World. I thought it was beautiful and I thought it was a really cool way of telling a story. It was it wasn't really super linear. It was probably more linear than all his other storytelling, but it had uh, it just had a really interesting um, energy to it. And, and I don't know. I'll let Anthony talk about it a little bit more. I don't want to. I, I I want it to be clear though. I do like his stuff. I'm just saying that it becomes monotonous, you know. So. Well, look. Okay. Well, but you go do it for a certain thing. You you don't go to ice cream shop and not get ice cream. So if you watch Terrence Malick, you're gonna get to, you're gonna get a style. You know, same thing with you get different people's worlds and interpretations of things. Not everybody can change their voice and style every every project. I get that. So, you know. Well, like I was saying, some people, you know, you choose to go see a certain person's film for that voice, right? You're, you're going there. But yeah, yeah, you're you're pretty much contradicting yourself when you're saying that you that you just don't like his choices that he makes his style when you when you talk like that ash it's you know it's, what i mean it's it's the thing is it's it's like his movies it's are his all vision one big and blend though you know like that's what i'm getting at is that well maybe that's his choice maybe he wants to make totally. it cohesive that way totally do you know what i mean totally but the thing for me is 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 understanding the craft side of it and understanding like going aside from like what he's trying to tell i'm just trying to look at it from the other standpoint and i'm just saying that He's just, it's almost like a Photoshop guy using the same plugin or something like that. You know, it's like, okay, I saw that plugin last time. Let's, let's well, move this. Let's migrate. You know, that would, be, that would be the question for me is that it's one thing for the viewer to enjoy revisiting somebody's work that way. But I would, I would wonder more importantly, what is it that he gets out of redoing, doing things the same way? Like that, that would be the thing that would be, you know, I don't think. Ash or I would ever want to go down that road, but I don't. You know, I don't. I I, I really enjoy uh, many of Malik's films. <clears throat> They're beautiful. Yeah. 
But uh, I mean, I that would be my that, that would be my only thing. My only question is, why does he enjoy doing it that way? You know, maybe maybe it maybe it's maybe it's the most fun way to make a film. You know, yeah, it possibly is. You know, <laughs> true, true. Because why does Fincher use fast pans and tilts in every movie? You know what I mean? Totally. Because if you if you look at his films, Fincher's films in general, you will notice there are trademarks all over. It's just they may not be as noticeable because over so many years we have been used to the cinematic language yeah. totally. that majority of the film is what you would consider normal. There's a mid shot, there's a close up, there's a wide shot. You know what I mean? But then he squeezes in between these stylistic choices. And the people may not notice that, but it's part of his whole vision. And you can notice that from the from his earliest music videos to his latest movie, which was what the dragon, the girl with the dragon, to 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 something like that. And um, it's something that I've been noticing. And I think your your problem with you know someone like Terrence Malick, and you know of course I'm that's how I see it because I'm when I hear you guys talk is because his his approach to filmmaking is so radically different that he's like that guy in the corner where everybody else is on the other side and they're like, huh, look at this guy, he's different. You know what I mean? But not a lot of people try to understand Are you trying what to, he's trying to say. Are you relating and, to um, him psychologically, Iggy? Huh? Are you relating to him psychologically? <laughs> What I'm saying is, are you drawn to him because you feel that you might be psychologically having this similar? Oh, completely, dude. No, but completely. He he appeals to um, a certain type of crowd, hundred percent. Yeah. But the thing is, people are not trying to give him a shot in the way that um, they would give a shot to Fincher because you know his stuff is not as well. There's a thin line, right? Different, there's... so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, some of the films, like you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of people that would hate on like. Um tree of life and they call it very pretentious filmmaking and, and it's like almost like uh it's so abstract that if you don't get it then you know oh well and a lot of the times you know and i, I think we talk about it a lot anthony and i is like we don't necessarily want to spoon feed everybody the story we want to let them think and build as we go but there's a that's what there's, he's doing but there's a thin line that's not abstract though it's not abstract though that's but there's what he's a, trying there's, to do yeah but i feel that there's a there's a line of uh there's a there's a line there, you know, and sometimes it's broken. I feel like, and, and as a viewer, you know, like, and I'll tell you something. I, I'm, I love abstract and nebulous more than anybody. I watch I watch movies that nobody would want to watch. <laughs> and through all genres, does. <laughs> yes, it's true. And so, <clears throat> the line that I have for a movie is whether I laugh out loud in a serious scene. And in Tree of Life. When Brad Pitt and Sean Penn are holding hands going through heaven, <laughs> I <laughs> and, and so so I was there. I'm there. I'm loving it. You know, dinosaurs, great, cool. Love the visuals, beautiful music. Then you got Sean Penn and Brad Pitt, <laughs> arm in arm, in heaven, and I'm just out. <laughs> you know, you know what is funny though is that I heard, I read somewhere online this like. Uh, somebody described a tree of life and it was like in one thread Sean Penn riding elevators and staring at <laughs> the distance <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
and that's all I've heard anyway. interpretation and I think what's cool is like regardless of all that like aside from everybody that we talked about so far we talked about Ridley Scott we, we just we talked focused a lot on him and we so, haven't but then, talked about Anthony though you know no I know we, like, we will and this is what it's just, this conversation these podcasts are going to be like this it's just natural <laughs> there's just all over the place not not formal stream but, of consciousness yes exactly but I think with the thing with like, uh, we, we, we're talking about him and he's getting he's getting attention which is I don't think it's necessarily what he wants but it's just like it's it's cool that we're it, it's food for thought you know and, and and i do appreciate it for what it is you know and I, i'm not like i said please don't get me wrong i do like his stuff i'm just saying that i might just not like necessarily like his his way of do his his tools chest of doing things you know like in, in comparison to other people but that's just my opinion you know it's just it's just that thing it's like touch the wheat touch the, put your hand on the wheat you know it's like okay we just saw that shot last last night you know it's like it's, it's it happens a lot you know like oh move your hands in the air handheld camera and it's like all right you know like it's cool but the thing is, I just feel like I'm going back to that other film. But let's get off this and let's let's talk to Anthony more about Anthony. I want to let's 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 ask and talk a little bit more about your your creative path and kind of uh, your upbringing a little bit more and kind of um, where 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 a lot of it started because uh, we, we talked about it. But <laughs> yeah, like when was the moment that you were dropped on your head and then you know what happened from there? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, can you talk about a little bit of your childhood? I mean, you're obviously Canadian, so you can talk a bit about that and you know. Well, <laughs> dude, I don't really You could talk about it. <laughs> do I actually, first off, do I have an accent? No. No, you not, say a couple things. Not much. It's pretty funny. I love it. How do I say things funny? I'm curious, Ash. I want to hear this. You got the aboot. You did the aboot. No, I, I don't think I heard that yet. But there is one way. There's one word he keeps saying uh, differently. I have to hear it again to be like, oh, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Anthony, just run along. It will shoot you down okay, if you say it. Let's talk about films. <laughs> uh, about... <laughs> no, like a little bit about your childhood. I mean, how how did you discover and why did you decide to do what you do? I mean, obviously it's a calling, but obviously it's a, it's a true responsibility and it's a very it's a very hard path to do. Um, um, honestly, um, I was pretty much a loner when I was a kid. I liked uh, my dad was on set. He was a props and. Um, it's, it's funny, the crossover. He was a props and um, military advisor on, on films out in Vancouver. And so he worked on things like First Blood and uh, and pretty much anything that came to town. And, and he would bring bring me to set. So I had like age five, I was on set already. Awesome. And uh, also he was into, he, he had his own newspaper. My dad was like, like all over the place. He just liked to do what he liked to do. So he had his own newspaper. And he also was super into computers. So you can see where this is going. Yeah. Is that, is <laughs> yeah. that I basically grew up on set with a guy who was totally into design and computers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so right there as a child. Major influence. I didn't have a lot of options. And I was super into drawing. That's all I did all day long. You, do, you still do draw, which is cool. Yeah, and so I would basically do these huge, huge, you know, I had a roll of paper. I don't know if you guys, do you draw at all, Iggy? Yeah. Yeah, and we had these rolls of paper, and I'd just put them out and do these huge battle sequences. <laughs> yeah, me too. And then as I got older, I started doing these battle sequences with models. And then... I started doing these battle sequences with models and video cameras. 
And then I started adding explosions. <laughs> yeah. And then I got kicked out of my house. Um, but uh, through, being on, through being on set and all, all this building and, and, and being around this design stuff, I just, all, that was just my world. That's, that, that's all I did. And uh, I was terrible in high school, terrible in school, failed everything except art and music. And uh, that's why I never went to university also, is I didn't have the marks to do it. And so I just kept doing what, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like I've never stopped doing exactly what I'm doing now, just the tools have changed. So I've always been doing this. And you just, the, the productions just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the case with, if you look at the trajectory of any filmmakers, they've always been doing it. Yep. It's just the tools change. It's like you had a Super 8, you had a video camera, you had a, and it just keeps, you know, exponentially growing until now I'm sitting in my room with four computers and a red camera. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my background is just self-taught and just always doing what I like to do, which is fail school and <laughs> yeah no it's it's important to see that too and would you explain kind of like where you feel like you're at at peace or at, at as one with yourself like uh creatively when you're developing these things i mean what what phase of it do you feel like most excited about or um do you have that moment of like that blissful moment of creation and stuff you know when is it when do you have it at all at all actually oh. I have the blissful moment of creation when things come together the way that I saw them in my brain. Yep. That's the moment. Because as a filmmaker, it's actually, it's all, it's really terrible. It's a curse and uh, to, I'm gonna start over. <laughs> you can edit this out, Iggy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, I'm just joking. Yeah, this, part, this part is not for podcast. Can you please remove it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now the true me comes out. So serious. Um, no, but what's what's terrible about the way that I do things, like the one, the, you know, almost solo show of making films, is that it, it shows a really a lack of, uh, I have two problems, a lack of communication skills and a lack of letting control out of my hands. <clears throat> and uh, it's, it's really weird uh, because so, the blissful moment for me is is the fact that I've been able to get exactly what I had in my head out of my own body. <laughs> yeah. But but it's really it's, it takes a toll on me physically and mentally because I sh I should have you know other people working with me to do this stuff. But uh, it really is it's it's a it's a great feeling of achievement when you can actually get the exact vision that you had in your head or as close to as possible on the screen. And I think that's, I mean, that's the plight of the filmmakers to try and find good teams and collaborators so that you can, you can always get those things out of your head and onto the screen. And that's, I think, you know, it's really important to find those teams and to have them close and to, to have a network of good friends, designers, you know, because that's what makes these, these things special. And I think that's what I really, really want to get away. I actually want to get away from doing all this stuff myself because it uh, it's so much better to work with people. <laughs> yeah, talented people that you can respect. Uh, that you can trust and respect, yeah. I think I had a lot of bad experiences over the years, you know, because in my brain, I'm when I, when I set out to make something up, in my brain, 
I mean, I've also met some great collaborators, especially over the last few years. Um, but in the past, you know, like you have something so specific in your head and then it gets to the time you're on the shoot day and you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And then you, you have a lot of sour. So I would say that, you know, my way is good and bad, but to not get discouraged when you don't find the right collaborators, because, you, you know, eventually you will. Yeah, definitely. You've mentioned like having communication issues and stuff like that. Um, I think between us, I haven't really experienced a lot of that. But maybe it's because like you and I are so in sync with a lot of things, you know. Yes, that... we don't even have to communicate half the time. I just have to send you like an image and a and an icon. Yeah, <laughs> well, we have a lot of fun doing it, and I think that's that's one thing I want to talk about too. Is when you do collaborate with people, um, just kind of that excitement, you know. Like it's sometimes like look at artists that I really enjoy, and then like. You know, like opening up a comic book of some of my favorite artists. I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's gonna, how he's gonna tell a story and how he's gonna build this thing and how it's gonna look and this and that. You know, and, and uh, I think that's another thing that Anthony and I have been discussing too. Is um, hopefully once we get enough momentum, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're gonna try and attract a lot of these guys that we um, adhere to creatively and visually and stuff. And hopefully we can get them to develop our ideas with us and, and we can kind of, you know build things out i mean like if you think about it, like really scott didn't necessarily there's like geiger's uh alien that really helped sell the visuals of the of the monster you know without his dis like disturbing visual of what it would look like it would it's a tall task you know but once uh the dan o'bannon brought him in right dan o'bannon yeah, yeah. was the one who brought uh, geiger on board and he also uh <clears throat> brought ron cobb on board like basically yep. the whole art art department too yeah yeah, it was all brought on by um, Dan O'Bannon, which I, I have to wonder at what point the movie was pulled from him because I, I know that he was going to be the director at some point, I believe. Yeah, because he did Dark Star or something like that. Was that his film before that? Yeah, he worked with John, yeah. John that, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I think we talked about, and it's pretty funny, we've seen a lot of similarities between Dan O'Bannon and yourself, Anthony, right? It's like, <laughs> but then we like, we talk about like, okay, now how can we figure like another avenue and stuff like that, but. So that I don't go all angry? Yeah, you don't get all aggro, crazy guy, but, but uh, it's. <laughs> he, like I say, I wonder how he dealt with that because I, you know, as a, as a creative to, to pull that team together, they all trust in him. You know, he's a really great creative person. And then to have it stripped, uh, you know, you even see it in the commentary. I'm sure you've seen this, Iggy. You know what I'm talking about because you watch. Yeah, yeah, I, I've listened to it. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly he, he does talk about it. The undertones, mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty harsh. Or, or, or talk about, yeah, even the point when he came in and he saw the script had his name off of it, you yeah. know. And it's like, man, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy business. Yeah, it's absolute. It's it's a wild, wild west still, you know, in, a, in, a, in an odd way, you know. I feel like uh, Anthony and I and can elaborate on this more, but we talked about kind of we're in a like another phase of um, a renaissance, I guess you would say. We're in a we're in a we're in a phase of, of something's going to happen big. Uh, there's something there. Like when I when I listen to Lu, uh, George Lucas talk about. Uh, his when he first started to do his career path and, and focus on it and then he, he did THX and and he was he was basically like getting tired of all the Hollywood films he didn't want to do it the Hollywood way and that's why he wanted to do his own films and he had ended up uh, co collaborating and getting the funding from uh, was Coppola right 
Yeah. But the things that he was saying it's, it was almost so weird watching that because I was like, Anthony and I have had many conversations that were just mirror parallel to those things. Our frustrations, but also wanting to tell our own stories, but not do it the Hollywood way necessarily. And oh. do you, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that and just talk about like, you know, low budget and kind of like that whole idea and all that kind of stuff, you know? Well, yeah, no, it's really, it's really interesting because, um, you know, talking about developing all these, well, okay, exactly what you're talking about is, is, um, I'm going to phrase this properly. <laughs> Let me take a, a bite of apple and then I'm going to phrase this. <laughs> the villain speaks. Mm -hmm. The villain speaks. Um, well, let's hear, you know, actually, Iggy, what do you think about that? Do you, do you feel, because I feel like there's, um, wait, what's the question again? Well, here's the thing. Sorry. Um, it feels to me like there is, there's two worlds of creativity. Well, obviously there are, there's mainstream and there's, there's underground, you know, and I feel like, I think Ash is talking about what, what I feel is coming is that right now, genres and filmmaking are, are kind of in the same state they were in in probably the late 60s and 70s yeah of being you know stale and corporate all, owned yeah. yes and they all look corporate owned stale they all look kind of the same you go see a sci-fi movie you know you're going to see a hexagon pattern Very you, know safe. You're gonna see, <laughs> you know you're going to see all the you know the staples of, of what's going on and I, and I think what Ash is talking about is that you feel this undercurrent again when you look at art that's just under the surface, sci-fi artists and, and, and uh, just, you know, contemporary artists. So there's this thing bursting underneath. It's just like ready to hit mainstream and, and become the new kind of, uh, I guess that's what you're talking about, right? Ash? Yeah, it's, a, it's like a new wave of, of, of storytelling, yeah. basically. And, and the tools have changed drastically since George, you know, like the operations of VR and all that kind of stuff like that, like technology itself. So storytelling platforms have completely changed, and Anthony and I talked a lot about that too. It's like, because uh, we can't, you know, a smart person, I mean, George saw it, is he saw ahead of the future, and he was really big on like marketing and putting things together, but he also knew the potential of what he could possibly do and hired all the right people. But nowadays, like, the, you have to look at the same way that he did and look, look five, 10 years ahead, look at what the military is doing because that's not normally it's going to happen in the real world and base that off of like how you'd use it as a tool for story to story to telling devices not necessarily the military but what i why i say the military is because usually that's the thing that's always funded and for future technology and you're going to get that you know like later on so we're all gonna, we're all going to get raped by robots as well <laughs> basically yeah or we're all going to become data and upload into systems and stuff like that we, that's another talk though but yeah i'm pretty sure the military has already all these things that we're gonna get 10 years from now <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean you look at the you look at i mean like we can go harp on it but we look at the iphone i mean like it's a freaking complex crazy amazing device and uh just look what it can provide you know and look at how much technology and time it must have taken just to get that out to everybody's hands in the public but what we're getting at too and i want to hear what you have to think about this iggy is about do you feel because you're you're starting out you're starting to push yourself you're you're beginning you're like in the tr you're in the trenches you're shoveling all the dirt and you're learning and you're growing and you're understanding the world around you with this stuff do you feel the sense of uh 
uh, is it the right word insurgence or like a, a, a flood of uh, change? I, I feel like there's something, there's a change that happened. At least that's how I feel in my own world. And I think Anthony as well, because we're getting sick and tired of the same crap, basically. So. Mm -hmm. uh, do you you mean as in terms of like creatively, like what you guys are, for example, what you're doing, Ash, with the designs and stuff? Yeah, just storytelling itself, you know, like my job as a, what I do is just supporting the director, whatever his vision is, that's my job. Um, but what I'm talking about with Anthony and I is we're going way further than that. We're going into the story and the, how to tell the story itself and how you use technology, the tools we have to also implement and help the, the help it, you know, like I think John Lasser said, well, you know, you make, well, I think, I think, uh, what's his name? Cameron really started that with avatar i think he set things into motion that and the tools that are coming out and already i mean they already um used that technology on that game la noir yeah you guys heard about it they used pretty much i think it was the same scanning device you know the motion capture so i mean it's spreading around even it's spreading out into video that, games yeah. no they didn't use that same technology if you look at i'm not talking about like if you're looking at Final Fantasy and you're comparing um, motion capture stuff. What's called that? Oh no, it's a different motion capture. There, uh, what, what it is is if um, have you have you seen what L.A. Noire looks like? Mm -hmm. The game. What they're doing is, is they're not animating faces anymore. They're actually scanning people, actors' faces, adding it, motion capturing the face, and adding it into the games. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, gotta yeah. see it. I mean, it's I can't very, really explain it. You have to... It's very similar to that thing I sent you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the, all the cameras just... projected to it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're spreading out into even video games. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the beginning. So it's not like, you know, it's not. It's here to stay. The things and I was saying, I'm always saying to Ash is that I feel like I'm just at this kind of edge where I want to jump into video games and start, you know, like developing games because i feel like there's if there's one thing there isn't a lot of there isn't a lot of uh you know like how do i say this without being rude <laughs> be yourself <laughs> it's, dude it's, it's all right yeah here's the thing video games as they are now most for the part for the most part for there the most part, there are some stand standout games but for the most part they're regurgitations of 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 bad Hollywood scripts. So they're a copy of a copy. And so, and then that's why, you know, video game movies are even worse is that they're a copy of a copy of a copy. And so you, you get like these weird aliens regurgitations. Um, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I mean, total recall and uh, it's been compared to mass effect. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's, what's funny and... is that it's all getting blurred in the line of, of storytelling, but what there, there aren't a lot of, is video game directors and i don't understand why like what why that isn't the new place to go and because can you imagine this is what i always say is i want to see a video game designed by david lynch and directed by david but lynch. but check this out man i mean don't you know that uh what's his name um john woo and um guillermo del toro you know pacific rim <laughs> they uh they've already they've done games they directed games i mean you can look it up it's yes. there what i'm saying is that when i see those games and i play those games they're no different than any other game 
I'm referring to the fact that they need to be directed with the same. When I that John Woo game, that that doesn't it doesn't feel like a John Woo movie. It just feels like a fighting game. What I'm saying is that to have somebody direct it with the same insistence and creative vision that they would on their film, like the same level of detail. And I know that it costs millions and millions and millions, but it, for me, it would be the most exciting and rewarding experience as a gamer to go there and experience a world created with that level of, and I mean, there are games now that are coming out like that, but the dialogue and the acting and the storytelling is still very juvenile. They look amazing, they sound amazing, you, you do fun things, but the storytelling and the, the scripting is all still very juvenile. It's, it's really weird. I think it, comes, it's, well, it breaks like, down to dollars and cents kind of thing too. Yeah, talking about exactly. it. Because video games exactly. are so immense as I've worked on a couple of them. It's like, oh my God, it's, it's like, I thought movies were really immense, but video games too. And the budget it takes just to get like the variables and to build the worlds and stuff. But I think what's happening too, and we can talk about it more, is like how the tools are, like they're 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 getting so much better and rapidly uh, growing that we can uh, almost meet these things halfway or get close to it. You know, like it's it's like what once was a black and white small screen TV with static is now this large HD screen. We're getting better, and, and well, the technology. I would say the future for me in in my dream world, in my dream world, is to have a program that's like After Effects, except that it's a game engine, and that I can make my own games out of my house that look and feel as good as a, a game, you know, right now. So in like five years, I want to be able to make something that is comparable to Crisis. Yeah, but then you you look back at like Mario Brothers, like you can almost make the game as 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 nice as Mario Brothers on your computer, you know. So like the the how long has it been, you know? Like it's been like a span of what like Mario Brothers is what twenty years old or something like that. So within twenty years or ten years, based on like the growth, the exponential growth of technology, we might have the the technology and the abilities. And this is something that we talked about: storytelling platforms that are not just with film. Because it is easy to get outgrown of this. Because when you go see a film, it's like like you said, you're you're going into the the uh, director's world. When I go look at a Rembrandt painting, I'm looking at a Rembrandt's world, like the way he perceives light and shadow, and his mood of tones and stuff like yes. that. Yes. And when same. you go, and when you play a video game, you're looking at a million people's worlds, and you feel that when you're playing exactly. the game. Exactly. Yeah, and, it's immersive. I, exactly. What I want is 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 I do I do want to. Uh, live in a world where I can actually create my own um, like world that someone can actually experience. Yeah. I think that's what's exciting about storytelling in the future is that we'll be able to create worlds that people don't just watch once and then walk away. It's like, I made Blade Runner, and then you could go and you could just hang out in Blade Runner world. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You can have the same thing with like, but that's like what video game do. World of Warcraft pretty much has done. You know what I mean? You're just there's not a lot of those kind of games and i think um, also i think i also i think yeah also i think that uh, the reason why there are no video game directors is because first of all i don't think there's a market there yet the reason is the, the games are selling so they don't give a fuck uh, who who made the game if it sells well that's good okay and they'll keep re making it just the same way in hollywood you get like five six saw movies because why 
because the first one made bank, the second one made bank, third one, and they keep going until people stop going. And until people stop buying games, I don't think they're gonna be scrambling. Oh shit, what are we gonna do? Let's well, let's let's try to get uh, these directors like Christopher Nolan or something to fucking make a video game. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and that's what I think that'll happen only then. It's just how it works. I mean, it's all about money. What I'm wondering is why no directors want to direct video games. <laughs> that's what I'm wondering because it's, it's personal choice, probably. Yeah, but they just don't feel like they they want to do that. Or I don't that know. It's ready mean, enough. For, you, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like it's you know, ready enough video. to be told in that realm, you know, and how much work it takes. I mean, a movie is so linear. A video game is so non, you know, like a, well, not in some of the video games now, it's like, I saw a funny, a funny image on the internet, a base map of Doom, the, the original game Doom. I was addicted to that game when I was younger and it was so cool. You can go to all these rooms and the way they set it up and you can get lost and kind of get, you know, labyrinth of stuff. But the game now is like, the games now are so linear. You follow a path yes. that goes like just like boom, 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 A to B. And the thing with that is that's very much the same thing as a movie. Yes. What, what Anthony's trying to say is, and I agree with, and I think it's cool, and I think just because it's not necessarily working now, it will work in the future, and it's, it's up to guys like Anthony and I to come somehow figure out a way to do it so it becomes uh, a thing. It's like, you know, just because things are what they are now doesn't mean that they're always going to be, you know. So and I think that the more, um, more or less like telling a story that's more immersive and the, the development of virtual reality and, and immersive technology is going to be... What it's gonna, what's, what it's gonna tell, and they're gonna be able to go back and go, man, remember uh, how linear movies were? I remember like watching that. Yeah, like, well, like, yes, it's like that's so boring, you know, like that's like Atari, you know, playing Atari. It's like it would hold your attention for a second, but it, but knowing what you have now, it's it's so hard to go back, you know. I think for that to happen, you need, first of all, you need to try that and see if it works, and then if somebody else has been fancying that idea, they'll be like, okay, I see. It works. Let me jump on that. Let me contact Ash. Let me contact Anthony. Let me get on this project. And you know, because you, you know how Gandhi says, "Be the change you want to see in the world." Exactly. <laughs> that's that's all I was saying is that that, that I'm I'm, I'm totally weirded out that it, that someone like Christopher Nolan isn't like, hey, you know, I'd love to uh, create a world that people because people get immersed in that stuff. I I hate to say it, people are more into video games now than they are in films. They, 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 they people yeah. get way more immersed in that stuff and way like it's I'm, I'm one of them like I've, I've almost made the switch you know like I still enjoy a great film but I get so immersed in a game now that I feel like I want to play games that have the same uh, drive and aesthetic as my favorite films yeah, and that has, that hasn't happened yet. It's like, that time no... span investment too. It's like reading a book. It's so much more depth, you know. And it's like if you can get that, that's that whole thing. Like a book can't necessarily be a movie. It's like hard to get if you really read a book and then you watch the movie. It's like the adaptation. I think what you're getting at too is it's got so many levels to it. I'm not I'm not a video game player. I mean, I think and I think the reason why if I was just, if I was looking at like through Christopher Nolan's eyes is like I already have success of telling linear storytelling with movies and this platform. And then why would I want yeah. to do something? I think the whole thing, like the the, the the stigma behind like the word video game, it it's it's all it, it doesn't necessarily sound like an artistic thing necessarily all the time, you know? Like it doesn't. There's great. There's a great. Um, couldn't agree more though. Yeah, there's a great place to. to that's where you build it then, because yeah. I feel like that's 
that's a great storytelling device. It's a great unexplored, you know, region is to make, you know, not, you know, all these, because right now it's only A-list games and, you know, there's some great, you know, non-B-list games that I love, but for the most part, people only play these huge, you know, anyways. No, but I, and I and so what we what we were basically talking about is like we were adapting what I think what George Lucas was doing with the special effects because you, we can all agree that George Lucas changed special effects in films forever. Yeah, I mean that's he is the he is the dude that did that, and you can say that James Cameron did it with the uh, Avatar mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Sure, those are different uh, benchmarks and stuff like that. What Anthony and I think are talking about, and this is a conversation we've had uh, quite a few times, is how to tell a story that is more than film and, and sometimes we get frustrated with the way that film's being told because it's it is so linear and there are so many limitations but there is a beauty within those limitations too sometimes when you have so much stuff that's a big problem with a lot of films nowadays i think is like the whole thing like we'll fix it in post we'll do the work in post and it's like no like get it in a camera you know like that's that's a huge issue you have actors just walking around these weird suits with green screens everywhere they don't have anything to interact with so everything feels plastic and everything doesn't work well together it's really hard you know it's really hard to work and that's what well anthony and i will probably come back to alien as a as a good example of a great thing well done is is the way that he hid the sets in shadow because he didn't necessarily have all the detail but he used he used all the minds the creative minds the right way and he used it and and told a story just he just he took a normal uh, normal script told it really beautifully you know visually and there's so many things about that that I feel that are lacking in the in, in film now and it's just and it's that thing it's like just because we can doesn't mean you should you know I think that's a, that's the thing with CG and I think Anthony and I we're guilty of the same thing you know like we do it all the time we noodle with stuff that we probably shouldn't and have the chance to you know like let's put some mountains back here or let's uh, dial up this screen and do this there and you know it's like we're playing god almost you know and sometimes it's i love it you you say it all you want i love it see i love being able to go in my shots and put the things that were in my brain see that's the thing that i love about post that you know like fix it in post is is one of those lazinesses that that you know if you have a plan all you know all along then i think that you know it's 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 okay yeah it's it's but if you don't it's really annoying but you know like when you talk about um, the perfection of like certain t- filmmakers and stuff, you find out a lot of it is post, you know? Um, yeah, Kubrick, yeah. <laughs> well, not Kubrick, more so Fincher, you know? Like people would be like, oh, you must have the best, you know, operators in the business because when you see one of his dolly shots, it's perfect. And it's like, yeah, because it's been stabilized. <laughs> stabilized, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and, and, and people ask me the same thing on, on lots of my stuff. How did you get that dolly move so smooth? Because I stabilized it. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I don't like posts. What I'm getting at is that I feel that a lot of people are using that as an excuse to make shit. And oh, make, they, 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 it's like a Band-Aid later. It's like, no, you need to really think about it and think about what you're actually trying to do because there's a lot of complexities. You know? And being a part of the, the post team, I see a lot of issues down yeah, the pipe. The only time I ever fix it in post is when it's an easier solution. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so if, if yeah. you, so say we're, I was just watched, I just watched the premiere of Mad Men yesterday. Um, and they have this, I think they have like three exterior shots. Um, and in the shots, you have beach, you have some palm trees, and then you have some of the mountains in Hawaii in the background. And they went and they shot this in Hawaii. Now, if I was the producer, what I would say is, we're gonna shoot this in Malibu, 
and then in the background, because they were all lock-offs as well, most of them anyways, we're gonna get some photo reference. We're gonna send one guy to Hawaii. He's gonna get some photo reference from the same angle. And we're gonna put those, cause they're deep background. We're gonna put those same mountains in the shot. And what you've done is you've gotten the same result in the camera for a fraction of the, the cost. And I think that's really what it comes down to is you're telling a story and if everybody involved get, if you get the same result, but it costs you, you know, $5 million less, I feel like that's when you do post. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the creative and budgetary approach to it. You know what I mean? Save it's, money. Yes. You want and it, that, exactly. You want to have that shot of the beach. Great. But you don't want to fly the whole crew and everyone to Hawaii. Maybe just a shot. <laughs> yeah, <Fine. of> <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have the money, if you have the money, the budget. This is where you come into the whole filmmaking thing. Is yes, it'd be great for the whole crew to go to Hawaii. Yeah. But if, as a filmmaker, you're going, okay, well, if I fly everyone to Hawaii, then I don't get to have this scene. Yeah. You know. Now, let me pick your brain, Anthony, because uh, I want to, uh, you know, because you're a self-taught filmmaker, and um, when did you seriously? start to um like really um s study filmmaking i mean as in because you didn't go to film school so you're all self-taught how did you approach that um i just watched a lot of films i used to work at a video store during high school and uh it's partly why i probably failed so many classes is that i would work the graveyard shift so from midnight to eight in the morning i worked I worked at a video store and then I would go to school after. But all night, because it's the mid, it's the graveyard shift, all that would happen is these guys would come in, they would rent porno, like maybe like 25 guys a <laughs> night. <laughs> they would come and they would rent porno, but the rest of the night I just was cleaning and- uh, Cleaning the pornos. Yeah, well, dude, I had to do that a couple of times and it was not nice. <laughs> uh, so uh, cleaning, you know, washing up and doing a uh, count on the videos and stuff. It was a huge video store. So we would do inventories and things like that. And uh, I would just watch movies all night long. Yeah, but besides that, I, I mean, did you consciously, for example, pick a film apart, analyze a scene? Okay, you read, for example, from my own uh, experience, because right now I'm in intensively analyzing films. Yes. As in, what I do is... For example, I'm reading the the five C's of cinematography. As I'm sure you know about that book, it's a uh, gold standard. I'm pretty pretty much, and every time I consciously read that book, like really underline, take notes, reread if I don't get it, and it it seems every time I watch a film, I see what I just read, and then I look for it, and it becomes easier that when I take note of that. Have you ever approached it that way, or it just came easy to you um, in that way? For me, I think. It was the same process, but not from a book, you know, like, so I would see, I would see the way something was lit for a certain scene and under, try and figure out why they did it that way. And then I would mm -hmm. try and replicate that with my video camera or my, my, you know, my, my stills camera just to, you know, practice. So your, your whole thing was just trial and trial and error pretty much trial and error. you had to, and, and you had to figure and instinct out. instinct you know like when you see yeah when i when i read a script um whether it's my own or whatever when i read it um i know where i'm gonna put the camera mm -hmm. 
like right away. Like the visuals just come to you. Yes, yeah. They just come. And so, so, um, that's probably due to me watching so many movies because I understand yeah. the way that I like to see those scenes play out best. So it, 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 I think it's the same thing. It's just not in words. I learned it from watching. Yeah. So you just watch it, those it, scenes and you, and you just see those same, you know, things panning out and you go, okay, so I like it when this kind of a scene happens this way. Mm -hmm. yeah. It becomes seared, seared into your brain, and then you—it's—it's it's an intuitive process. Yes. And that is, and that is why you see, you know, like what we're talking about with Terrence Malick is that it's his way of of shooting the scene is seared into his mind. So his his favorite way of shooting certain scenes happens over and over. Yeah. over. I think that, and that's why I was saying I question whether or not he is happy with that because, you know, you're talking about Fincher as well doing certain, you know you know, things for certain scenes. Once again, it's seared in his in his mind how, how he likes to see those scenes play out and how he's gonna do them. But I think it's kind of up to us every once in a while to go, okay, this is this is the instinct, but maybe there's a better way to do this, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that also, uh, just getting back to Malik for a second, have you seen Badlands and- uh... oh, Yeah, of course. Yeah, Days of Heaven. I think Badlands um, is most, so to speak, normal film. Yes. You know, as far as aesthetic goes. I think that because he made it straight out of AFI, and um, over time, when he took that 20-year break period, when he went to France to teach, uh, and, you know, he interpreted uh, Heidegger, the philosopher, and stuff like that, I, I think that period was very influential. On when it. he came back to do the Thin Red Line, and since oh, yeah. that moment on, he found his voice. He didn't want to do the standard aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing, you know, how usually films are shot. And he found his own voice, I think, that way. But yeah, it just becomes a part of your voice and well, seared into your mind. I, I definitely agree with his That's way of setting up a, of, of setting up a scene. I think it's probably the best way. I, I agree with many things he does. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I hate lights hate them um mm -hmm. i think lights are and that's why i'm so happy with uh you know digital, darkness <laughs> digital is is because it's allowed us to use less lights and so now the images we capture we can become more and more realistic and closer to what our eye sees you know yeah and, uh, also oh i'm sorry go ahead no, and so so one of the, the two things that I love most is that he sets up a scene, so it's 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 the place, and yeah, and, and, feels and it. yeah, and so the actors are in a place, and you get to just witness what's happening because they're gonna just play it out, and the camera captures it the best way it can. And like I said, the other thing is just not using lights. I I, I despise lights. I think aside from uh, you know whatever is that practicals that are in the room, I just Mm -hmm. I, I hate throwing up lights. Yeah, unless you have to build a set, and then you have to. But you, you, yeah. you basically you still you build light it, it like you would naturally, like you know, yeah. like you know, like Blade Runner was lit really well, and he used it like as it was natural light, you know, like the opening shots and stuff like that. It's just like ambient light shining through from the outside, and it's tinged by this t tone and all that kind of stuff. Venetian blinds, you know, that was the whole style. Tony Scott and Ridley, yeah, uh, really kind of so in started back in the 80s too 
Yeah, it's just pretty. Venetian blinds were the style icon of the '80s. It's so awesome. Yeah, it's... Body double poster. Yeah, <laughs> it's true though, and that's an interesting thing to think about though. Like, you know, uh, everybody's different interpretation because there's so many um, directors that only use lights and are okay with just doing green screen for a lot of their stuff. And it's interesting the difference, you know. And I think that one thing I was going to bring up too with. Anthony and I, and, and especially myself, but like we haven't necessarily made a feature film yet. So a lot of our stuff is we're guessing and we're thinking farther out than we actually understand through experience. And I think a lot of these directors, you know, it, the path that it must have taken for them to create. I mean, we, you know, Anthony and I, we will talk about it and be like, well, we haven't made a film, so we, we can only complain so much, but we. <laughs> until we until we actually you know like we can only talk shit so much but we until we actually do it ourselves and see the struggles in which it brings we, we yeah. gotta we gotta put our money where our mouth is basically yeah. you know? I, I i don't i try not to talk shit as much as possible now yeah. these days but uh, it's out of love though it's out of love it really it is, is out of love it's tough, tough love yeah it is tough love it's like you you love the medium and you love doing this stuff but you hate to go see a bad movie yes <laughs> and 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 you know, what defines a bad movie is different for every person. But the one thing that you can say about modern cinema is that per capita, there are less uh, interesting films in theaters, like in the, you know, cineplexes, you know, multiplex theaters. Per capita now, there are way less interesting films. Yeah. Yeah, you got to wait for a Christopher Nolan film or, or James Cameron film or something like that, or a Fincher film just to go to see it. To it. Uh, see a film these days because it's just so much mediocrity i i also think so i'm with you guys the last film i saw that i really really enjoyed was stoker oh yeah i read the script for that but i didn't i haven't seen it yet how, oh, how was that okay Good? so here's an here's an interesting thing if you read the script so you read the script for stoker yeah 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 wow uh, what's that what's the fellow's name the guy from prison break who wrote yeah prison um god damn it um yeah, I forgot his name. Anyway, the script, it's, it's, it's another interesting um, uh, film that backs up my statement of Alien, is that the script is very, you know, he's going to come after me and get me one day, but the script is very mediocre. It's, it's your basic, like, what lies beneath style thriller. But the filmmaking is so interesting and original that uh, it makes up for it you know 10 times over it's 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 just a, it's your classic thriller script through the eyes of a of a, of a visual genius mm -hmm. wentworth miller by the way is uh wentworth miller and i and i think that also uh because i looked at the credits the one the script that i read read was just had his name on because right now if you look at imdb it seems like it had a contributing writer Ah. So I wonder, I don't know which version you read. Did you read the script? Well, I have not read the script, but that's what, what I found funny was while I was watching it, I was like, wow, this script is so, so kind of by the numbers, you know, late 90s thriller, like, yeah, sleeping yeah. With, it's like sleeping with the enemy. Like, is that how it felt when you read the script? Like, I haven't seen sleeping with the enemy. No, I haven't. That's funny. Yeah. If you picked any other 90s film i probably have seen it but not that one <laughs> but uh i'm a huge 90s films fan but um well like the i got into the story i'll tell you that honestly i mean it, and there's many factors that's probably because i'm into 
you know, films like that or a storyline like that because it did have a mystery to it. Yes. And I was visualizing how it would play out, but I haven't seen the film, so I can't see how awesome what you're describing really yes. came out to be. I just know that the director wasn't it the of Old Boy, right? Chan Park, right? Didn't he make Old Boy? Yes, the Korean film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He he yeah, he made. Uh, Old Boy, Thirst, Lady, the yeah, the Vengeance trilogy. Yeah, I like and that. I like Stoker. those. Yeah, those were fun. Yeah, no, and the, the film was visually, and you know, there's uh, some piano pieces in there. I keep I keep t tweeting about it. I love the piano pieces written by um, Philip Glass. Philip Glass wrote some of that. Okay, I have yes, to see this. Nice. How recent yes. is this? This Joker movie, 2013. Oh, okay, so it's like yeah. it just came out then. All right. What do you guys think of? Uh, I, I sent Ash Baraka. Have you have you you know who Ron He's, Frick is, right? Yeah. The cinematographer behind Koyani Skatsi and uh yeah. that's what you you guys brought up Philip Glass, so I just oh. what do you think about those films? Baraka and Samsara. I recently uh watched Samsara. I've been look, looking forward I think, to I think, it. I think Baraka is better than Samsara. I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. Um but I think they're both some of the most beautiful visuals you've ever seen in your life <laughs> yeah and 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 some of them are so beautiful in fact they look unreal yeah like you don't even like in samsara there's some shots where it looks cg because it's so so good extraordinary it's that's like the guy yeah that's the guy from the I, fall the director from the fall he, the way he did oh he totally ripped you know? it off yeah. he totally ripped it <laughs> off if you watch the fall i mean he he rips that the barack out part i mean he <laughs> every freaking scene is out of like every location but you can tell it's his um inspiration however check this out anthony i watched your um style frames nyc short yes. film that you co-directed yes i noticed one shot you know the guy coming out of water wasn't uh... that kind of from the fall in the beginning what <laughs> <laughs> uh... was it what's kind of, here's the thing here's the... <laughs> is that after um it Talk wasn't. Much. It wasn't. But it's one of those things that subconsciously. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's and I find that you know when you see these these things from films that you're like, oh, that's a ripoff. I don't think that people consciously do that. Well, some people do. Not all the time. Well, I think in the case of the fall, I think that was conscious. I do believe that. Okay. But I think. However, I, he did inject new things into it. He exactly, really did. Exactly. And and you know, just, people just the say, way you do it. He ripped off this and he ripped off that. And it's like. I rip off everything. Yeah. yeah, and look, yeah. look at Paul Thomas Anderson. If you start with Hard Eight, yes. Boogie Nights, Magnolia, you see Jonathan Demme in there, you see Quentin Tarantino, you see Martin Scorsese, a ton. Yes. I yes. mean, he even ripped off a scene out of Soy Cuba. Have you seen that film? It's a Russian film. Uh, you know when the there's that yes. shot of handheld goes into the pool? Yeah, yeah, no, it's straight out of the whole shot where he follows the girl, yep. yeah. I remember, yeah. yeah. And um, but the thing is, you know, he he made his uh, his own story out of it. So I think uh, I think there's nothing wrong. I mean, there's even that quote by Jim Jar Jarmusch, if you're uh, familiar with it, oh, where yeah. he says, "Steal <laughs> everything you can, like bridges, street signs, bridge bridges, whatever, you know, and just as long as you take that and turn it into something new, there's no problem with it." And I mean, that's what filmmakers do. They whether consciously or subconsciously they take it and they put a new spin on it yeah no doubt about it and it's funny that you you caught that thing in the fall because after the fact of after he had done it and shot it we were talking about the fall 
and we were looking at the title sequence and then he was like oh shit look at that that's the th and it was funny because i was like you know a lot of times even if i'm drawing if i'm just drawing like a gesture for like a character or whatever um it's it came from somewhere in my head i'm seeing it in my head but it, it's like a hodgepodge between like a frank miller and uh a tomo and it's like all these things kind of come into my head and they force together so there's a there's that fine line where um like Tony Scott is like really infamous too. Is like, didn't he say he's like he's he's all about like he rips off everybody. Yeah, exactly. He tries to do something new with it. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and that's when I think you sometimes you you hit a wall if you you just gotta do. I think it. I think if as a creative person you just do what you feel is what you're doing. Like your it's your voice. And sometimes I think while we don't like certain films, it's like uh, that director has his own voice and not we're not meant to like everybody. Like I don't like everybody. You know, like if I met everybody like. Uh, nine out of ten people I might are like one out of ten people I might be like that guy's an asshole you know like I don't want to ever talk to this guy he's a pretentious no, jerk you actually it's eight out of ten people <laughs> no I like a lot of people come on now I'm just really cynical sometimes but no I just I don't know like I think I, I see through a lot of shit you know like and I, I think I try to cut down through it and I think the same thing with film and I think that's yeah. what's so evident you know it's like and I, you, I you, people might be like why do you like this and not like this you like I like the predator because it's a fun film for me to watch. It reminds me of my childhood, but I might not like certain artistic films or certain films that are action-packed nowadays that have the same way of doing things, the same main actor, but I just don't like it because of the, the, the voice behind it. It just, it just doesn't connect with me at the time and places. That's an, interesting, that's an interesting thing to talk about. Okay, so I just want to go back into something real quick. You know how you said it's interesting that I caught that, you know, out of the scene, out of the fall and stuff. That's great. I yeah. think what I've, what I've learned uh, and realized recently is when you consciously actually watch films uh, and analyze, you kind of train yourself to see you, you, your your eyes. Yeah. So, for instance, I was watching um, the the pilot of Hannibal. You guys know the the new TV series that came out, and uh, David Slade directed that. And uh, he, I, I'm a fan of his work. I love Hard Candy and uh, his music videos. And I noticed so many stylistic choices also that's that that also goes back to what we were talking about how certain trademarks permeate uh, one's work and um it's you learn to spot these things in films and people you know filmmakers they understand what they're doing they have a way of doing things maybe a favorite way and um they utilize that to tell the story i yeah. mean I, I just want to say that anyway but yeah go on anthony you were you yeah. want to say something um, and I think also, I mean, you're going to see more and more of this, uh, you know, repeated motifs. We, I talk about this all the time. It's because we're all plugged into the same um, matrix. <laughs> I had to say it. Since, since the internet, we all we all see very, you know, very similar things a lot of the time. And so, like, we've all seen the fall titles, you know. I'll tell you, Chris and I, the other director of the style frames, we were just sitting there and I, and we, I was just writing down images that would, uh, you know, invoke, you know, parts of creative journey. So essentially, you know, like a cake that says you suck and you're blowing out the candles. And it's like just these things like that go through your head. And, and so coming out of the water is like, you know, like that's like, oh, you know, I finally I can breathe again. So it didn't even come down to anything. And I feel like, you know, I had seen that, forgot about it. And just the idea was like, okay, well, that's an, that's an image that, you know, 
works for what we're doing. And so it's about, you know, finding these things. And if they work for what you're doing, I think it's, you know, it totally all these stylistic choices. Yeah, you just grabbed a hammer out of the thing and you drilled mm -hmm. a nail in, you know? It's like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's just a, but at the same time, it's funny that this guy used a hammer too, you know? So it's like, at what level? And I think that's what's happening too, is that there's, there, it's getting so diluted, not diluted, but it's getting saturated. I mean, is everything's so saturated. There's so much images. There's so like, you couldn't watch every film that's ever made ever. You couldn't, you don't have enough time in your life to. And There's the other thing. Think about this. You know, we're all we are we're all on Instagram and Twitter. It's, and when I go through people's photos, look at the the similarities between everybody's photos. It becomes a cliche. It's hilarious. Agreed. Yeah. 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 But, but 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 it's funny because that's the same thing happens. Yes. All of us filmmakers, as we watch all these films, and we use the tools that we've all collectively decided work. Yeah, and some are much more apparent in a blend, like the freaking the, sh the shaky, the shaky cam. You know, <laughs> like I hate the shaky cam. Like, come on, uh, that's a blatant tool. It's like they used a chainsaw when they could have used like you know a rake or something. You know, <laughs> like. And I think that's where you, where, where, where you know, as a as a creative person, you have to stand your ground. Is when someone comes to you and says, "I want this movie to be like Cloverfield. I want it to be a shaky cam, found footage." you know, story. And I think that, you know, if that's not what you want to tell, then, you know, that's where you have to stand your ground. And then I think what, what becomes harder and harder is, is, is making people realize that those little tools and those little gimmicks are not what sell the movie. What do you think about a compromise? If somebody asks you that and uh, you want to compromise or that's what, you know, that's what you decide. Is there room for compromise? Of course, there's room for compromise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I had to I had to raise yeah. the question. Oh yeah, no, 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 of course there is. I mean, uh, I I should hope that you know. Um, yeah, I'm 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 actually really collaborative on set. Like, someone comes up with an idea. My friend came over the other day while I was editing uh, the current short manifold, and he said, "You know, what'd be cool uh, is if right after you go from here, uh, you cut to this shot because he knew I what I had shot." And I said, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I'll try that out. And it worked out perfectly. And so I used it. So, you know, I'm totally one of those people who I love to work with people and, and to collaborate on stuff. The the thing that, that I don't understand what I'm talking about is, is when somebody sees something that's successful and they don't, and they try to replicate all of the surface level things yeah. instead of, instead of the, uh, the, um, the story and emotional things that work. So if you, if you, you know, like it's, it's funny, you know, like science fiction's hot right now, but that's a huge genre, you know, like you can't just be like, okay, anything sci-fi, we'll, we'll, we'll make it. It's, uh, it's, um, zombies. Yeah, exactly. Anything zombies, we'll make it. Well, they won't make it anymore because obviously that's so just, saturated. Yes. But there was a time. When They'll come like, back in five zombies. years. Zombies will come nah, back in five years. Nah, I, World I, War Z. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> let's not talk about that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, Anthony's touching on, I think what you, you're getting at, Anthony, is mm -hmm. the soul. They think that the skin, the skin layer is that's what it is. What you're getting at is the soul of it. And like you're saying, like your friend came up with an idea that was a, addressed a certain aspect of looking at something different that helped with telling it. Not necessarily like, this is a gimmicky thing. Yes, you should yeah. put an explosion there just so people, you know, I'll tell you something, Dear Hollywood, 
people don't care about explosions anymore. Or guns, <laughs> or guns, man. Seriously. Yeah. Well, people still care about guns. But the, um, the thing is, I, I mean, have... Inception kind of proved that that people want that smart sci-fi. So you know, that's what people are gravitating toward. Is they're tired of guns, explosions, and the same regurgitated stuff you know what i mean so and also i just wanted to quickly touch upon what you said you know how if somebody uh tries to replicate an image but they don't go for the depth and that's important by the way very important that's what i what i've realized uh really is the fact that when you have the story first in mind all the visual aesthetics come into place into yes piece of jigsaw puzzle exactly and that's why i was going to say earlier when you were talking about uh you know, like analyzing film and, and going really into it is that it's, it's good to do that. But at the same time, you know, like once you know all that stuff, it's really awesome because you have all these tools at your disposal. But And uh, you know what to do also. By exactly. The, but some it. people analyze those things and they figure it's, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's essentially just a, you know, connect the dots of success or a successful, you know, story. And it's really hilarious when you see a movie that does well, and then you see, uh, you know, people clamoring to connect the dots to just redo that somehow. It's like the Levi Terrence Malick commercial thing, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, damn, you know, that's why I hate advertising. Like, I hate advertising. I hate commercials. I don't like, that's like when I ever have to work on stuff like that. Like, I, I do my best now to have com- complete conviction against doing anything like that. And I think Anthony is the same place. We've had many talks about our... But uh, <laughs> we need to pay our bills, but at the same time, like just trying to figure out a way to escape that reality, you know, and then how much we just, it's, it's, it's something that we just don't like. But I think it's because of that. It's like, oh, the Prometheus used like these lines. Let's put these lines in our AT&T commercial. It's like, fuck, that's not, that's not the point. You're missing it. If you're trying to sell a phone, yeah. just sell a fucking phone, please. You know, like just sell it. This, that's it only. It's like, it's this amazing device and it costs this much. That's it. Let yeah, me bring try something to connect up. it, you know? Come on. Can I bring something I... up real quick? David Fincher once said about advertising that he's not interested in having somebody hold the phone in front of their face and tell you how awesome it is. When he when he approached advertising, is he tried to do something that would that you we would watch the ad and you wouldn't even where where the fuck was the cell in that? You know what I mean? It kind of you know because at the end it says, you know, Nike or whatever, but like for example, if you've guys seen his uh, advertisements, like for example, Adidas legs, right? It's just a bunch of robotic legs in sneakers, but it's it's not as blatant. Like, hey, look at these fucking yeah. sneakers. Let me sell it to you. He tries to do something creative, which is a great position to be in. You know, I think that's that's really what it comes down to in any sort of, and this is gonna be said about you know, any sort of creative thing is that once you get to a point where people trust you, you can make bigger leaps yeah and if you slowly get to different levels of trust you know why i like most films is they they've chosen their influence from something contemporary so that it never loses um its visual worth if that makes sense Mm. it never ever dives too deep into current trend do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah Uh, it's it's more of like it's more of like a, a a broad stroke, but it's like a def. But it's not like what's exactly happening at the moment. I guess. I guess. Yes. Well, it's 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 yeah. And yes, that's, his his movies always had bad timing too, right? And in his movies, when he would re- release them, he would have uh, bad timing, like 
uh, 2001 was a complete uh, failure in the beginning, and then it slowly so, gained so was, fame. So, so was Blade Runner. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's. I would say that you know that's that's the problem with making a good lasting film is that you probably will not make a lot of money. Yeah, it's true. I mean, look at look at the difference between the success of Avengers, <laughs> and we can talk about that movie if you want, <laughs> or you know, in comparison to. You know, like Blade Runner and stuff like that, you know, and why they're different, what they are. Even and and this is, you know, this will talk to, you know, speak to analyzing film. Is I had already become really enamored with filmmaking by the time the movie The Matrix came out. And when The Matrix came out, I enjoyed it immensely. But when I left the theater, what I said to my friends is, I wish they hadn't chosen that soundtrack. And they were like, Why? It was so cool. And I was like, Yeah, but five years from now, or even ten years from now. This will seem like disco. So for me, using all those the music of the time, while while it seems cool, you know, while you're doing it, and you know you're gonna sell a lot of tickets because everyone's gonna like the soundtrack, and it's it's of the time. Dubstep. You really, as as a, as a filmmaker, yeah. And, and yeah, as a filmmaker, you really have to. Well, at least I feel like I want to make films that last the test of time, and I feel like when you go back to the Matrix, there's a lot of people who probably will watch it and think it's quite funny. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? The way that we would yeah. Uh, rage against the machine at the end and stuff. Yeah, and it's it's quite it's quite it, it just super dates it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was and, a, it was epic when it hit because it was like it was like all the epitaph it was like everything right in the center. It's like the epicenter of like Rage Against the Machine was really big and Prodigy was just kind of ended its fluke and yeah. Rob yeah. Zombie was kind of big back then. It was just like that was all the clubbing scene. It was very of its time for sure. But yes, and, and and so there's something to be said for being, you know, really popular and, and all that. But at the same time, I don't think that that movie will stand the test of time, be, yeah. just because of its its and the, you know with the way people dress is really hilarious. Because they imagine that same script with and I said this the minute we left the theater. I said imagine that same script in the hands of somebody who who understood you know, contemporary design and something that would last, you know, like, so instead of the ships looking at the way they did and, and the, and the way that, um, and it's really funny because when I look at Jeff Darrow's sketches, they're so beautiful. And I feel like, um, little things that they added in production design that weren't in his sketches were the things that kind of, uh, um, dated it. Like the kinds of sunglasses they wore and the trench coats they were wearing. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, like, so... I don't know. Yeah. It was a really hard film for them to make, too, from what I understand, from all the interviews I've read. It's like any other film, though. It was, like, one, it was like one of those things that uh, they really didn't compromise as best they could, and they, they stuck to their guns, and they made it. I mean, hats off to them, because that's a movie that's a... That's one of those other movies that, you know, I, I still I still really enjoy the first one, but it's at times it's that time warp, you know, it is it's a total time warp. And what you're talking about is like how um, Kubrick uses he uses classical music because classical music, oddly, it, it doesn't go out of style. It's true. It, 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 it does feel aged, but it's so beautiful and it's it transcends time. And, yes. it's, and I feel that um, I think Terrence does the same thing, you know, and I think um it, it just fits. It works really well, you know. I think, and it works really well with the uh, narrative um, storytelling style too, to have that um, that element in there. Because sound and music is so important, you know. It's, it's half a film. I mean, you like, like Star Wars without the 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 amazing soundtrack that it had, without that intro boom, you know, like it would never have been the same impact. If you, well, you that's what lacked in the new ones. Talking, 
This is interesting, Ash, because I was just talking with uh, Matt from Makeup and Vanity Set, who's yeah. uh, in score for Manifold. Yep. And uh, we were saying how there's no themes anymore. You hum me the theme from the from the Avengers. Yeah, there isn't. You can't because it's hum like... Hum me the theme from Captain America. Hum me the theme from anything. There is no themes. The only theme you can hum from the last five years is this. Bah. <laughs> Inception. Yeah, that's the first thing that came to mind, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a Hans what's Zimmer the theme, thing. What's the theme to Prometheus? Bah. What's the theme to Star Trek? Bah. Total Recall? <laughs> bah. It's a good way to think about it because, I mean, sound is just as powerful as the visuals. Oh, I would is... say it's 80% of, of the final film. Yep. I, w sound. I couldn't agree more. Sound is so fucking key. Yeah, so huge. because you, you put the wrong soundtrack on a movie and, and it just cheesifies it and yeah. Hey, Anthony. Yes. Can you talk more about Manifold, or is that secret? Right no, it's now? not secret. I can talk a little bit about it. Uh, how that whole thing came to fruition is uh, my friend Johnny Hawkins. He's a host. At, he w he was a host at MTV, and he did the movie show. And he was witness to me always talking about films, and I worked with him at MTV, and so he had seen kind of where I was, you know, interested in going, and so. Uh, after Tron, we had met up with some people and around town, and they said, you know what, this is great, but what you need to do is you need to do an original film so that people can actually buy into it. Because one of the things about the Tron thing is it's great and all, but you can't use it, you know, that because you're using somebody's, you know, intellectual properties, et cetera, et cetera. I never meant it to be a thing that gets me a job anyways. It was just kind of like a fun thing to do. but. Uh, this was what people were saying. So they said, you should go and apply for a grant just to make a short film. So we did, and uh, with Johnny uh, as the producer. And so he asked me, you know, write something up so we can get a grant. And I had had this idea for a long time about somebody uh, using technology to find out something about modern society that we couldn't find out in the past. Like, so modern technology revealing something that we would never know otherwise, you know, something that couldn't be found out in the past. And uh, so what I came up with was this idea for somebody working at like, you know, a social network or something, and they come up with oh, auto tag, which is a facial recognition, which I believe uh, Facebook actually has now. Yeah, it's very primitive, but it's, it's engaged. Yeah, it's a primitive version, but it'll get better and better and better. So this guy comes up with the best one, and when he, what he uh, finds is that there are multiples of him living on the planet. And that was the basic idea, and I just had this written... I have like a bunch of Word files where I just write down ideas, and I just keep them there. This is all like a one-man show type of thing? Is that just... Stephen McCaddy, he's uh, he's the only actor, right? Or do you have somebody else in it? Oh no, no, uh, Stephen. Is it, is it? Yeah, no, it's got a. Supporting. There's a main lead, and uh, it's got about six main cast. And these are all people that um, people you know, the actors, or somebody you had to hire. Oh, we actually and... for this one, we went through uh, Actra, which is the uh, union here. Mm -hmm. uh, we had to be approved for the union, and uh, yes, we had to pay everyone. It's like a full full meal deal. Like we actually had to, because uh, we got the grants, and so you know when you got money, you might as well use it to get the talent that you need. What was the budget for that? It wasn't a huge amount. 
what it did allow is it allowed us to get um, actor actors, uh, union mm -hmm. actors, and it allowed us to have you know some tools at our disposal that we wouldn't normally have. Like we had a great Steadicam operator on this. It's just I've, I've worked with him on a couple other films, and he's just awesome. You and, also DP'd it too, isn't that we talk about as well? Yeah, which is kind of funny because I'm such a hands-off. Uh, kind of DP that I think even the operators were like, whoa, this is weird because, you know, many people have looked at some of the stills from the short and they're like, wow, who lit this or who shot this? It's like, it's well, I competed, but automat. Honestly, all that meant was just putting the camera in the right spot and making the ex yeah. sure the exposure wasn't overexposed. Yeah. Because that's really what it comes down to on my, on my shoots is that I, I don't like, like, like I said, I don't like lights. So really, for the most part, there's a couple scenes with lights, but for the most part, my job was just make sure the camera's in the right spot and make sure that it's not overexposed, which isn't a, a huge job to take on, so. That's awesome, and that's so important. I think that's gonna be another thing too, is that a lot of directors and a lot of people that, it's like you're on this path and you attract people and either you click with them or you don't. And some people you hate and you never work with them again. Some people you love and you take them on the journey. It's like you're going down this road you know, and you're, you're attracting the right people and you're trying to get the right people. I mean, I have that with casual friends that I now am good friends with now through like illustration and concept world and all that stuff and design. It's like a lot of people that I have a lot of similarities with. And I think Anthony is inexperienced in it as well with his uh, process with building his own uh, short film. And, and I want to talk to you too, Anthony, about like, what are your final destinations with this? Like, what are you thinking? Because you're, you're basically like pushing forth your own, you're pushing your own, uh, stuff and you're taking a lot of risk uh basically on your time and, and your own story and, and anthony wrote it too and i think the script is great i think it's awesome i think he did a lot of great stuff with this and and i think a lot of it takes uh so much hard work and i, I think it's important for you to maybe kind of talk about like where you're trying to go with it and the, and the experience that you're trying to get from it and all that kind of stuff well ash <laughs> yes sir <laughs> I'm, I'm essentially from the production of this film trying to continue to have a career in film yeah <laughs> uh very short you know, I, I think for me this one is 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 made to show the kinds of films that i want to be making yeah as opposed to and and, and you know with more emphasis on on i don't know just a lot of people know the stuff that i do is you know motion graphics or you know just like eye candy or whatever I've done a bunch of narrative shorts throughout my career. Most of them now reside on VHS. <laughs> yeah. So I actually have to convert them over before they die. Um, but uh, yeah, for the most part, you know, I think this one is just, it's, it's a project devised to show that uh, I can do more than just eye candy. Yeah. That's it. It's, and it's your choice. It's your choice to do it, right? I mean, when you wake up in the morning, you give yourself a certain responsibility to take care of those tax, those those um, obligations in the day. You know, am I wrong? Oh yeah. I mean, and you, you set that's your own choice. You know, there's so many people like I. I walked into the bowling alley for my my daughter's birthday the other day, and I and I look at my wife and I go, "Whoa, this is like what America does on the weekend. They're like bowling, and they're, you know, <laughs> it's weird. I'm 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 always in my office working, or I'm at home." jamming away or I'm up in the mountains hiking around but for the most part it was just it was funny to have those aha moments I think you experienced them too and what I'm saying here is that 
this stuff is all a choice. We it's a self-imposed choice usually, you know, and it's usually like I said, it's a curse. You know, I think it sometimes it can be an absolute curse because you can't just like sit back so, and enjoy something off. yeah yeah you, you can't just shut it off <laughs> no it's absolutely not it's impossible it's impossible it's like once you know something you can't just be like oh okay you know it's like it's it, it's knowledge knowledge is i used to always say that ignorance is bliss and then the more i thought about it i was like you can't fight ignorance with more ignorance so it's better to know but it's harder you know it's like you, you don't want to know if your significant other is cheating on you, but it's better that you know that because then you can move on and pass, all, you know, yeah. get out of that, you know. But it's it's like a Band-Aid, you know. But what I'm trying to tell, too, is uh, Iggy and I have had a lot of talks about self-development, growing, following your passion, following your choices, following through with things and making them happen, coming from nothing and, and as well. And that's where I really wanted to have you on here, especially – I mean, we already talked. We were friends, so we know. But I wanted you to talk to him and then also talk to the listeners and whoever's going to ever hear this. It's like about the choices that you make daily, you know, and how and why you do them and what it leads you to and the Dude, path that you make. You know? I have no clue why I make the choices I make because I'll tell you something. There's not a lot of sleep involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of coffee. There's um, <laughs> a lot of debt. <laughs> yeah uh, uh the list goes on um there's you know a lot of frustration but you know at the end of the day people just do what they like to do and uh see i, I don't see myself as having extra conviction i just lucked out that what i like to do is this <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's really and... what it comes down to is i lucked out is that some people like you say like to bowl but you 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 know i'm <laughs> I will expand on what you're saying because uh, the great thing is that, you know, there's a lot of debt, there's a lot of coffee involved, all that. When you look at all the established and successful filmmakers, you pretty much, you see this pattern and it's pretty much the same for all of them. And because um, I, I love to, you know, I, love, I listen to a lot of commentaries and I have a lot of um, uh, these filmmakers that I love that I follow and and they're inspirational and influential but when i look at their background they really wanted it badly and they went for it there's so many filmmakers you will find that they started out you know let's say at a university like just give you an example paul, paul verhoeven was doing mathematics in amsterdam and he just fucking he never even used that degree he switched like around 30 years old once he think got out of the uh, army he just started making uh, documentaries and expanded and and it's like Christopher Nolan just recently I read he he made his first film following um, around 28 or something like that and uh, he made that film for a whole year they ho they all had full-time jobs yep. they got together on weekends throughout the year and filmed about I don't know like 15 minutes of material or something but you know obviously that got cut down in the process or whatever but it's just like you know it's possible when you push yourself uh, that's 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 what i've kind of realized and that's what ash has i've seen that in him as well that's what he keeps saying and yeah. you know like at some point you go like no nah, man you know filmmakers if, if you would you choose they weren't touched by god yeah maybe some of them were right but most of them went through all this bullshit right here and this rough patch trying to learn it <laughs> they were trying to trying to make it not easy and yeah. and they got and and yeah it's not easy but you know 
No, the, the, there is light at the end of the tunnel. By God, they're touched by insecurity. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. that it's that insecurity that drives. Well, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but it's it's those things that drive you where you go. I have a story to tell, and I want people to see it. <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily. I can't. I can never subscribe to the touched by God thing because I don't think that it's ever even a possibility. No, not yeah. not the religious aspect. I'm not trying to talk about my thought on faith and stuff. But what I'm getting at is that I don't think that there's nobody here that just like is born and goes oh, i'm the best and just naturally just like film you know it's it's not like that it's not it's not like it's like you just get out you can just paint you know like the, i watch documentaries on frank frazetta who's like known as like one of the best um like sci-fi artists and painters of our era whatever and he's amazing but the, the documentary was like did they kind of like personified him as a god and i think it was because uh the way they put it together based on the timing of it, it was past, he was past his career basically. But what they were trying to say to me in the thing was like, he never drew a bad drawing. It's like, that's bullshit. And I know it because like, that doesn't even, that's not possible. There's, and they would, and it was funny, they would skip over 10 years of his career where he would have to draw and draw and fail and draw for magazines and, and, and commercials, advertising stuff. 10 fucking years, that's a long time. And anybody's development, if they're really pushing hard for 10 years, they're gonna be amazing, and that's why I keep telling you, Iggy, and I and I, and I always uh, emphasize to Anthony, and we bring it back and forth to one another, is that we're pushing as hard as we can, and just like that thing with the following, like they did it on their own time, they had full-time jobs. I mean, that's that's Anthony and I right now, you know. That's that's why we're juggling so much stuff because like we we, we want to do what we love, but we also have to pay the bills. I mean, we're at that cusp right now where we're kind of at the edge right there, you know. And you're the you're the one that makes the choice for it, you know. Like you're, yep. the, you're the person that makes that the choice. The only recipe for success, man, is working your ass off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's yeah. the truth. The only recipe for success is working your ass off. If you, and I mean, you know, some some people do work their ass off their entire lives, and they end up with hilarious, you know, outcomes. But you know, eventually that turns into good stuff as well, and people love it for. For other reasons you know i think that's the thing about you know creating artwork is that you know you talk about someone like ed wood who who you know <laughs> yeah he, people would talk about him as a failure but like look how much people love his films now you know exactly and yeah. that's he was so passionate too exactly you know, he and the, passion, it. the passionate part is what reads yeah and that's what resonates is is the humanity of, of the creations right we can connect with that on a different level, you know? Yes. And one yeah, thing I yeah. want to talk about too is about like, we, we talk a lot of, about people's names and about people's careers and this and that. And I love that. But one thing that always reminds me before I get too nerded out because I freak out on people's careers and names. I'm like, damn, this guy did this in so-so time or whatever. Yes. And it was that one line, I think, from uh, Roosevelt's wife. And I think I brought it up this before, but it's basically she says that smart people talk about ideas and dumb people talk about people. You know, and it's it's I'm totally butchering what she said, but it's you know I agree with that because I think that you can't just focus on what because like Christopher Nolan for example, we can just like analyze his career and this blah blah, blah and, and break it down and apply it to ourselves, but there's only one Christopher Nolan, you know, and why try to follow his path? Why not take okay. what you take what you do in similarities that you love about what you do and and and, and notice and give a nod to what they're doing as a similarity but also pave your own path you know like and know that it's a it's a huge it's it's like you it's like jumping out into the middle of the ocean you don't know if you're going to get bitten by a shark you don't know what's going to happen but you you need to somehow pick one direction and start swimming you got to make something happen 
and eventually you'll eventually hit land or whatever maybe you don't you sink and fall and then you become a fish and you can <laughs> you all you evolve <laughs> but you know what i'm getting at is it's 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 more about the bigger picture and it's about the soul of things and the passion of it and that comes from hard work it comes from experience you know i'm not gonna I, i'm not gonna be good at this stuff if i just sit here and talk about it I, that's why i want to do the podcast i think it's important to explain expand upon this but it's i also spend just as much no, I, time think, I think you should quit the podcast right on the first day and be like actually we, why are we talking about all this shit let's just go do it what the fuck yeah yeah it should be the last thing well but yeah, that's that's true too i mean the, the, why talk about it too you know and then and they expand upon it but i think it's important to give because that it is true because uh the reason is people can look up to you like for for example now ash or anthony there may be people who look up to you but you don't even know it because they somebody has seen Tron, your short film, and they're like, holy shit, this guy did it on 7D? Or Ash, somebody can look at uh, your artwork and design like, Whoa, holy fuck, man, he did that? And maybe I can do that if I can follow his... Well, not what you're saying, Ash, it's not completely, but you take ideas from yes. people, okay? You take the ideas okay. we're talking you take about. The, you take those fucking ideas, I want it so bad, and you apply it to your own yeah. path, your own self, and you just roll with it. Yeah, and it's all hard work, like Anthony said. I think that's, you know, I, I you know, Anthony and I, that's why I think another, I think that's one of the biggest things that glues us together as like our friendship and our collaborations is that I do not doubt how hard he's working and he doesn't doubt how hard I work. You know, he knows, and I juggle a family and he's, he's married as well. And that's one thing that's really key is that we both know that we're both pushing as hard as we can on everything that we're doing. And that's that's really important, at least for me. Uh, whenever I try to collaborate with other people, I'm like, "Son of a bitch, are you sleeping right now? Like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like, we're we're trying to get some stuff done here. I can't pull your weight and mine, you know." Oh, no, yeah. like when we when we collaborate, we I think we've done, you know, we did one job together, and and I I didn't sleep the whole time. <laughs> I felt bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, well, it was it was, a, it was a crunch, but hey, it was it was a success. Yeah, it was. It was a great success, and it helped, and it was a part of it that success. And it, and and, and and I talked to Iggy and, I, and Anthony already knows too. Like I don't sleep a lot, you know. And when I do, I sleep as much as I can. But for the most part, it's like he's always like, "Hey, watch this movie." I'm like, "Dude, I have no time to watch a film. Like I'll put a film on in my other monitor to watch it, but I, I don't necessarily. I can't. I just can't get it. I can't watch it because I want to create so so much more than I want to sit and watch a film sometimes, you know." And sometimes that maybe kind of makes me feel worried because you guys, I, especially when I talk to the both of you guys, you guys have such this wealth of like film knowledge and stuff. And, and but sometimes it's I, it's different I, though. You know, everyone has their own their own thing, right? So that's how the niche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I meet like with when I talk to like video game guys and stuff, like to work on their video games and stuff, like I'm not a video game guy at all. But I think sometimes they like that because I can bring something completely different to the table. And so that's why hopefully that's maybe that'll be like the strength from the weakness you know and coming from that it's like i'm not necessarily like i don't know everything about every actor and, and that kind well, yeah, of stuff i just want to tell i just want to tell cool shit you know i just want to do yeah, no, and you'll come up with ideas that you know are are not you know based on a cinematic experience they're based on what you think it should look like right it's it's a different approach and that's that's the whole method of 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 collaboration is that you want if, if everyone's thinking the exact same thing it'd be it'd be stupid <laughs> yeah and what's what and that's what we're getting and that's what we're talking about we're getting a lot of design by committee we're getting a lot of executives putting their foot down in the creative realm and we're getting a lot of really safe films that don't have soul and create and like a creative freedom and that's the i think that's what we're talking about is what's happening now in the mainstream i think and i think a lot of 
um, fans and, and people and, and the audience are, are actually seeing it and they're speaking out because, you know, there's IMDb and all these like virtual platforms for people to go on and, 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 and talk shit about stuff. And then there's this whole thing, you know, there's a whole debate with that. But what I'm getting at is that I feel that there's this, there's a surge of, of stuff that's not necessarily capturing what it used to. It's, it's missing the points basically. And I think what's happening is that's there's a Donna change, you know, and it's, it's up to guys like, well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know. And if, if, if it doesn't, whatever, you know, like, and that's, and that's our fault for not pushing hard enough to make the change, you know, like well, that's, that's our I fault. Think, I think that's what binds us as friends is what you just said there right there is that we feel a responsibility to do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, like, it's like, this is our planet and we don't want any crap on it. Yeah, and it's a shame that, it's a shame when I hear people just complain all the time and not do anything yes. about it, you know? And yeah, and, and totally. I'm, I'm just as guilty in a lot of ways because I'm part of the, a lot of this, these things and I, and I work off this, this uh, the energy of this, uh, you know, this corporate platform to support my family. Maybe but, not after they hear this podcast. No, whatever, you know? <laughs> I'll, I, there's always there's there's a will there's a way and I've you know I've proven myself many times that nothing can really stop me if I want to do something so but I think it's I think it's a uh, you know I don't know where I'm getting at here but I'm just saying that I think there's 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 a, there's a, there's, a, there's signs of change I think at least you know and I think it's you know well, it's, it's either, up to you to change yeah totally and either there's a change or 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 film dies <laughs> because you know you We're can just, see the writings on the wall. Yeah, or it comes too early or whatever, you know, like Ghost in the Shell, for example, is a like prime example is like one of my favorite animes, but it's like you couldn't necessarily like throw that into the mainstream America when it came out. It would didn't it wouldn't work, but it's it slowly it's slowly um, yes. becoming a more rational thing. And when you watch it now, it's like the technology and the ideas and the thoughts that were on in that film, which is like think it's like 20 like almost 20 years old now but it's like so much more further advanced than any film like out that's kind of not further but it's it's the ideas are a lot bigger you know yeah. and it's well again all these visionary sci-fi writers like you know uh william gibson you know yeah yeah like uh a movie that came out and flopped in the 90s uh johnny mnemonic yeah <laughs> I saw that. yeah the, let's do that let's it, remake that dude Oh, dude, I've, I've always wanted to remake that because Work if you out. did remake that now, people would understand it fully. When it came out, people were like, Ram? Memory? What the fuck? <laughs> it's got memory. You know what I, yeah. you know what I would love Social to see cool. is uh, Gibson's new, Neuromancer, which Chris Cunningham was about to make, but that fell apart. Oh, God, I wish to see that from Cunningham. Yeah. Yes. You, you know what I mean? You know he's one of, the, he was one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and he was attached for such a long time, but that fell apart. That's good, lame, man. The good news is, is that uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a new a new friend of mine, um, Vincenzo Natale, is directing it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I did hear about that. That's when it fell apart. Is but still, you know, I would. I'm just. I guess I'm biased towards Cunningham. You, you guys. I mean, Ash knows. Yeah, I love you, Anthony. You know, you know who he is, right? Chris Cunningham course <laughs> <laughs> well, i had to make sure I I didn't. who do you think i am over here i like <laughs> i don't know chris cunningham chris who yeah well anthony also art directed at this uh, mtv right is that what you did over there i was, I was the senior senior designer in those days yeah and how many years did you do that four four years okay so i mean yeah there you go so you'd have to somehow brush 
the you know pass with uh cunningham's work of course you know oh yeah of course which would be great to see that, and I just, you know, I can tell that he, it would be really hard for a guy of his kind of mental capacity to, to tell a story, you know? I think I could see the issue there. Yeah, I, I think I can see the issue with me as well. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, you, you can tell a story in a different, I think, well, you write, you wrote Manifold, you know? Like, I, I have a lot more, I have, I have a lot of faith in your ability to tell a story, you know, so. Yeah, but I, you know, I can see the people, you know, from my past work, not really trusting me to be able to do so yeah well that's the thing with manifold and that's why you know keep bringing it up is because it's hopefully like that it's like that thing you're showing it's like you show the world like look you can trust me and then look at you can trust me with this level and you can trust me at this level you know and then keep going you know and and i think uh that another big thing that i think that happened to you you should talk about too is actually working with um like uh um, a, a professional actor, you know, and the, the experience that that brings and how that feels when you work with somebody at that level, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Here's the one thing I will say quickly about working with professional actors is that if you are a short film director and you think your whole life you're, you've been doing it with, you know, friends and, and amateur actors uh, and you think, fuck, I suck. I'm the worst director there is. I just suck. I'm so terrible. Why do I suck so bad? And whenever you see your films, you're like, fuck. And you think, man, I must suck as a director. I just can't get these guys to act well. Here's the reality. It's not your job. It's their job. They're actors. Their job is to make something real. And so once I worked with a professional actor, I can never go back because I realized that all these years of working with people it wasn't my fault <laughs> that yeah. the performances were bad. Yeah, I recently, uh, I read an interview from Michael Mann. It was, um, and you guys know Michael Mann. You're fans. I think everybody <laughs> here is a fucking Michael Mann fan. Eat, baby. That rhyme. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he wrote something, you know, like he, the interviewer asked him, like, so what is a Michael Mann set like? And he essentially said... Well, he keeps it fairly quiet, and the reason for that is it's his his job is to make the set as quiet and carefree for the actor as possible, so they can concentrate on acting and not get fucking distracted by a bunch of fucking noise or some lights fucking hanging not where they should be and stuff like that. And that's exactly what you're you're, you're on about. Yeah, well, I'm also saying that, like, you know, if you're coming up and you're making these short films and you think, why do I suck so bad? Why are my, my actors so bad? You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not your job. I mean, it's your job to take them in the right direction. Like you yeah. shouldn't, you shouldn't be that sad at this moment. You should be, you know, or, mm -hmm. or, or, you know, maybe that's a bit more too much of a reaction for what's going on. But when it comes to what those emotions are, whether it's sad or happy or whatever, it's not your job to be able to make them do it in a realistic manner. If you get any sort of grants or money to do a short film, put it on your actors. <laughs> yeah, because they're going to convey stuff that you just yes, can't get exactly. from anybody else. You yeah. can have all the special effects you want in a short film, but you have to have performers in front of the camera who can convey those those emotions that you need. It's necessary, you know? And I think that you can, you can we can do a kind of a commentary on a lot of some Some directors that work only with these certain actors, but I think it's because... They, they, they are, they get that threshold, and they understand that they can make a certain type of film because they have this tool. 
yeah good good acting i mean as we just talking about you can't beat it really you can't it's it's so much i mean that's what's really crazy about a good movie is it's like almost an anomaly if it becomes a success because there is so many factors you know yes of so many things the music the acting the special effects this the props and the world and all that stuff lighting such a weird control freak about all that stuff (laughs) is that that you know I'm scared. I get so scared of, of giving up those por- those portions of the creative creative process because I know what I'm willing to do, you know, but I don't know what they're willing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of time, though. It's like you talked about, like you're the steady cam guy, you know, and then meeting up with that guy, and and and, and really um, working well with that person, and then you can also talk about like. Uh, meeting up with this actor and, and then where that opens up, you know, and then those things, you know, it's, it's along the path, you know, it's like, a, um, I think the Coen brothers used, uh, who do they consistently use? Do they use consistent people in their things? They always get really amazing acting though. They get like these great actors to, to star in their films that really transcend with their films. I would say the only person they've gotten consistently is John Goodman and John Turturro. Yeah. And John Goodman's amazing though. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, and both of them, yeah, or, which are great, and they bring a lot to their films, you know. But, yeah. And but um, yeah, I mean, and it's good that that you bring that up because it's very important, I think, for people to understand that. And like you're saying, it, you, you, I think you put a lot of burden on yourself. Like, why, why is it not working? This, this, and that. And I think that's one thing that we talked about, like with uh, your Tron piece, is that what you you really wanted to push further, you know, is uh, the ability to have acting that was on a, the level that you were trying to capture, you know. And it's and it's not easy. It's not easy to um, to get that to happen. And you do have to have funds and this, this, and that, you know, and 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 the connections to do such and such, you know. And it not every time like it's like you go to the bat and it's not like you're gonna hit a home run every time like you're gonna you're gonna strike well, out. That's the thing too. That's the thing is when you're doing low budget production as well. You know you you have such limited time, and see. So, you know when I'm doing a production, I'm usually I'm shooting, I'm shooting like it's an Ed Wood movie, but I want it to look like a David Fincher movie. <laughs> yeah. That's really that's where 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 things are at realistically. Is I'm shooting like it's an end, <laughs> but I want it to end up looking like Fincher, and so I'm in this weird. And I torture myself about that, you know. I think you managed to to, to bridge that gap, though, Anthony. I think like I know you're critical on yourself, but like looking at it from the outside and seeing how much you've done, I think you're managing to c- close the gap with every time, you know. And I think that's I think that's just through. Um, like I said, when you go to bat, you've hit a lot of strikes, you know. But you're figuring out how to use the tools in the different way, and, and how to budget your time, and, and who to play with, you know, to to win these games, and to to understand how to like uh, manifest what you're actually trying to do and tell, and the stories that you're trying to create, you know. So, amen. Yeah, it's cool though. It's it's crazy path. Yeah, there's well, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, young up and coming filmmakers that I see all the time on the net that are. Uh, just as if not more uh talented and and crazy than i am you'll you'll they're they're happening every day now because the you know the media is changing if i had had this stuff when i was a kid i'd probably be i don't know making nuclear weapons by now (laughs) (laughs) but it's great though it's great to see that and acknowledge that too you know it's it's important i think i think a lot of people put up blinders sometimes you know and they think that they live in this little bubble and they're unaware of the the actual realities outside of that you know and the world is changing. There's a lot of really great things coming out, and there's a lot of bad things. But there's also like it just, it's it's constantly shifting, you know. And telling stories is is a really it's a it's a task, you know. And if you do do take it seriously, it's a very it's like anything in life though. If you really want to be a serious athlete and and break the four minute mile barrier, 
you got to be so dedicated to it. You know, it's like, I think that there's, there's a lot of similarities as being human and being successful. I think it's all really close to the same thing. Um, it just comes down to really hard work, you know, and confidence and, and self-sacrifice and stuff, you know, which is good. Just like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nice. Nice. There, there you go. Now, now, now we're in trouble. Uh oh. Yeah. Don't bring up the J word, the J bomb. You have a red one, I yes, think. I have a red one. And, uh, and a 7D. A 7D. What are your favorite uh, lenses that you. My favorite lenses? Like your you know, go to lenses. Such a nerd. This is like okay. a nerdy question. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For a DP, you know. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. My go to lens? Uh, pro yeah. because I'm such a fan of psycho okay. um, is it 50 50 millimeter yeah 50 mils I have a 50 on my red right now that I'm going to shoot some user interface that has been designed by ash and oh, myself. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yay. do you go any any wider than that do I explain why? Oh yeah, dude, you, you gotta have a, everything has its place, right? But I mean, uh, for Manifold, we had an 18, a 35, a 50, and an 85. Nice. How uh, how long is that um, short film gonna be? Uh, like, what's the, what are you shooting for? Uh, time? It was supposed to be seven and a half minutes, um, but they're allowing us to have, <laughs> they're allowing us to have it at eight minutes. Who is they? The, the Matrix. The Matrix that funded it. <laughs> I get it. Um, it was funded by Bravo Fact. So they have a stake in that? I mean, uh, okay, well, obviously. But, I mean, they set the rules, actually? When you get the grant, they set the rules for yes. how long... How long... Film be and stuff. They, they will be putting in their own credits on their version. Like, uh, mm -hmm. in credits and end credits are a branded, like, uh, presentation style, you know... Yeah, like funded by the, you know, of Canada. Yeah, so they do their own credits, and uh, yeah, that's about it. It's And, and, and the reason is is that he, it used to be broadcast um, on television. I don't know if they'll be broadcasting this one, or they'll well, just... Well, I mean, you have great actors there now, especially McCaddy, so I don't see how that couldn't get broadcasted now. <laughs> hey, it's true. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, it's, it's black and white, and... Uh, it's got robots. What's <laughs> <laughs> so weird too, like thinking that it does have robots because it it doesn't even need it. But we're su we're such nerds, you know. Like we oh, have I to have robots. But no, it that's the thing. We're we're fucking nerds. Like we have to have the robots in there. <laughs> but it like I mean it does. But it's just it's funny that you know that that does. What I like about the robots is that it asks the bigger question yeah of right, course right. it opens up a pandora's box of like exactly. what the hell yeah. you're like what the hell and it's it's the reason it's the reason that's the kind of films that i like is it, it lets me imagine what's going to go on further you know what's next even if nothing ever happens with it you know like it's one of those things where on its own you know it'll still be intriguing you know so yeah i have a really good friend um marcus who's going to be animating the robots I will be rendering the robots, and uh, Marcus is a really good filmmaker too. I'll show you some of his stuff one time. All the sound is being done 
uh, by a really good uh, company and the soundtrack is being done by Makeup and Vanity Set. So. Awesome. You have a like, it's pretty much uh, the most professional production that you've been involved in, it seems like. Because before you've been mostly self, self-funding it and self-creating. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Now it's kind of... I'm using the same kinds of, uh, I mean, when you see the film, it looks like it cost a lot more than what we had the grant for, um, because we put a lot of, ex a lot of favors, a lot of extra stuff. But yeah, that's the whole point is to try, like I said, I'm trying to get away from doing everything myself because not only when you find, like, this is one of the projects where I found a lot of great collaborators. So it's really great to have the opportunity to be able to bring these people on board. You know yep enjoy it and enjoy the process you know exactly exactly and i think that uh it's great to be able to do all those things and all that does for me is that it lets me know what those other people on the team are, are going through which i think every good i think that's why in a lot of ways i came up i i went through a lot of cadets and military stuff with my dad too i didn't even mention that but one of the things about militaries is is a good leader in military has gone through all of those positions. Yeah. So when you get the guy on the front lines, he's done everything that the whole team has done so that he knows, you know? Empathize, think, yeah. Yeah. Just understand, yeah. Which he is funny to bring up empathy too, you know? You know why, so. Well, well, not just empathy, but he also understands the tasks. So he knows the best way to command the tasks. Yeah. And I feel like that's really important in today's structure uh, of filmmaking is that you get a director who doesn't know how to do VFX. He can't know the best way to exploit them. Yeah, you need to, you need to, you need to, um, you know, earn your stripes. You know, which is totally, yeah. which I, I couldn't agree with more. Totally. And I think it's because we're we're doing it actually. You know, we're actually yeah. paving our own way and stuff like totally. that. Totally. If, if you're a graphic designer and you get some guy who doesn't know anything about graphic design telling you his vision, yeah. you're, you I'm don't to, care. I'm about to punch that guy out, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, you know, I've, that's the other thing is being a part of the crew and being, you know, the people on set, I know how these people talk and you don't want to have a team of people who do not respect the leader. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's always been my goal in, in learning all these different tasks is when I talk to a sound guy, like I did today. I know what I'm talking about with frequencies and changing things and adding ambience and, you know, how much reading mm -hmm. needs to be in the room. You know, I understand those things. And he likes that I understand those things because I know how long it's going to take or when I'm I'm extending his his gestures, you know. And it's a respect thing, too. He you're just you're, you're articulating pretty much better as uh, as opposed to somebody who doesn't know jack shit about these things yeah you, you get if, if i don't know anything about sound it's like here can you just make this good please yeah yeah and what you're <laughs> yeah. saying like too, what's good what you're saying yeah. too is very much the japanese way of how they progress is that um it's a lot of it's a lot of um the the industry there is more on the apprenticeship program yeah. and that's why i make the the leaders are so such masters what they do because you, you, you don't just you don't just start you know I'm gonna be an executive of a company you can't do that like you have to go and start at the base level and then you can keep getting better and better but the the cool thing about their structure is that the guy ahead of you wants to help you so you can replace his position and there and and it just kind of continues and then goes up in its progression you know which is great and that's uh, in, in the experience I have in America it's it's not like that at all and it's very much like 
you know, no. cutthroat. And, and, and I get I get that because I have that in me as well. But at the same time, it, it's very self-destructive. And I think it lends to well, the reason, the reason, the reason it's cutthroat, Ash, is because um, you if you don't have the power to retain that role without uh, just your um, seniority level, like, you know, I'm the manager, so you got to listen to me. It's bullshit. Yeah. Exactly. No respect. You, exactly. You need that manager to know your job better than you do. Yeah, exactly. And that's what James Cameron is so successful. From everybody I've talked to, like my Ben, my, my buddy Ben, who worked on Avatar with him, is he said, I said, how was it working with James? He's like, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And he's the most accomplished, like most, like you have a lot of respect for him right off the bat. Like you're, you're not going to school him. He'll school you all day long and, he, and he'll bring up things that you would never even think of and work you to make you better, you know? That's what he was doing pretty much uh, on Aliens as well. You know, he fired the DP. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he was, he first of all, he knew what he wanted to do, how the how he wanted the light to be in that film. Yeah. But then he, he fucking knows the job of everybody on set better than they do. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest um, upside to being self-taught because David Fincher, James Cameron, Christopher Nolan, just to name a few. Anthony First Burns. of all, they never... Yeah, they... <laughs> you, that's... There you go. No, exactly. Because you... When you don't go to film school, you have to do everything by yourself and you have to teach yourself every aspect of filmmaking. And... That's what makes you better, and that's when you kind of like preparing yourself. You're adding ammo to your, yep. to your arsenal, and when you are out there, somebody gives you a break. Uh, here, make this freaking movie that's funded five, ten thousand dollars. You know, a short movie or something, right? You have this pressure, but you don't have it as much as the guy who just like straight out of um, film school, who all he studied was, you know. Books. directing or something you know what i mean yeah. it's or books exactly smart, yeah. i mean it's it's just kind of like that's the upside to being self-taught it's, it's harder to do and i know it from my own experience because when i have to shoot something i have to fucking know everything i have to know how to fucking frame something how to light something how to edit in post you know what i mean it's all these fucking issues but it makes you better though that's <laughs> that's the great thing <laughs> yeah. there are issues man come on you know they're, you oh, know, they're, they're oh, hurdles no, I, I'm, I'm, I've been problem solving for days trying to, uh, you know, track this stuff that I'm, I shot because, you know, the digital uh, cameras, they they have rolling shutter. And so when you're doing 3D, yeah, yeah. it's always a problem. So It's been a really cool, fun conversation. It's been uh, interesting. And I don't know, there's all kinds of cool thoughts and, and things to take away from this. I think it would be cool to let Anthony just, if you have anything that you'd, you know, like any last things that you're trying to think about what you're going through right now that you want to maybe tell somebody or do you care or you don't have to or we can just end it or whatever, you know. So <laughs> it's like I don't want to force Before you me, to do something. You know, Anthony's like, final thoughts. I think I think that's up to you guys. I think you guys, you know, we had a good talk and uh, I'm sure none of this will be helpful to anybody. <laughs> and if anybody gets through this this three hour long conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, if anyone gets to the end here. <clears throat> there's a secret uh <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a secret easter egg hunt thing in the middle yeah, no, of the yeah. universe yeah no i i i, I honestly I, I have nothing more to say except that uh it's uh always a pleasure to yap with uh, uh people about uh making films and uh design and all the rest of this stuff it's just uh it's a pleasure to be on planet earth doing it 
Yeah, exactly. And in the moment of doing it. <clears throat> awesome. And it will be the last time that you come on this. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Every day. <laughs> Three hour conversation. <laughs> People will be like, ah, oh, this guy again? <laughs> Fuck. You, <laughs> goddammit. Uh, no. Oh, man. But as things progress, obviously, you know, as things as as your career develops and grows it would be cool if you have time and, and we work it out to do it it would be great to to um interact and kind of exchange those things you know and, and expose some of these truths and just the paths you know that we're, yeah. that we're taking you know once, uh, once i start once i start taking meetings at bad robot we'll start talking some more <laughs> never know where manifold goes so it's a bad robot <laughs> <laughs> lens flare yeah. awesome Cool. Well, right. thanks for. I'm actually gonna go, and I'm gonna continue working on my film. <laughs> Yay! And I'm gonna go probably draw some stuff. Yay! Cool. Hey guys. <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna and I'm gonna go listen to another commentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at us. Part you know ways. My favorite commentary is. Oh hell yeah! What, uh, Let's my, hear it. my favorite commentary is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Paul Verhoeven on Total Recall. <laughs> okay, I haven't listened to that, but I know what what kind of funny shit oh. uh, it it contains. Yes, it's really good. And the worst commentaries, do you know who gives the worst ones? You probably know. Uh, William Friedkin. Yeah, that is so fucking boring. Oh, he just is like, then the guy walks through the door. Yeah, just gets see through door. that shit. It's so funny. Uh, did, did you not remember what's going on in this movie? <laughs> Yeah, like, why the fuck do you have to... Why don't you tell me something about how you fucking achieved that shot over there? Or what was the motivation of, uh, you know, fuck whoever's in that, you know, whatever movie, right? And, um, but, you know, actually, something interesting. I think that uh, as far as one of the best commentaries... You know, it's funny. I actually really liked Rennie Harlan's commentary for Die Hard 2, man. He fucking... He just tells you everything about what's behind the scenes oh you see this you see this is what we do as filmmakers to make you feel that way you know and he actually describes you what okay that's the low angle does that you know to do this action sequence you have to do the multiple angles you have to it takes this amount of time this and that you know it's pretty fucking good do you have are these all dvds i love those kind of i, I love those technical commentaries yeah that's fucking, awesome that's, like they're, the magic best. they're the gold mines for me well yeah you know that's why I, mean? I i always jump at the chance to have uh cinematographer commentaries man oh yeah by the way on my uh blog i'm i'm going to have the um, like a, a whole slew of those like there's i already started with uh, alex thompson for alien 3 awesome. nice. and then i'm gonna have uh one for seven darius kanji i already have that ready i just didn't render that yet and then there there's a Vilmos Zygmunt for the Deer Hunter. That's like three hours of fucking cinematography talk from one of the best. I wish there was commentary for the cinematographer on First Blood. He's one of my favorites. He does a lot of uh, natural light, like way ahead of his time. Very, very, very nice. Um, that's that's the the approach Wally Fister likes, by the way. Like I can watch movies in uh, 185 ratio you know what i mean but i just love that 235. we shot manifold in 235. nice yeah nice 240. <laughs> oh wow it's that even better yeah. even better that. you guys do use a actual like 
anamorphic? No, with the red, just... if you use anamorphic lenses, you actually get less pixels. So it's actually better to just shoot 4K and crop it. Yeah. All right. Well, on that on that okay. note, we I'm will. Gonna, I'm gonna get back to working, guys. It was great talking with you. Yeah. Thanks for ha and thanks for uh, chilling out with us, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, it was awesome, man. We'll have you on again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You. you for, gotta, you, next time for six hours. <laughs> yeah. Let's try for the longest podcast of all time and see you guys. Yeah. <laughs> It's all good. Oh, yeah. You have to go fly and, and meet up in a room and see how that goes. Then. Anyone else? It's, Anyone else is cool? Uh, yeah. It's like that An Andy knows. Warhol movie, you know, where he fucking shot the uh, Empire State Building for like fucking 20 hours straight. Um, the longest podcast. But, the, <laughs> but, but yeah, but visual and Andy Warhol. Never mind. Go. Okay. Okay, guys. <laughs> On that note, goodbye. <laughs> see you, buddy. Awkward. You guys have a good night. <laughs> Later guys. Later. Later. Bye.